Hi everyone, this is Raven and Campbell from Musicals, and we'd Hello. like to talk to you today about a nonprofit music education group that we are partnering with. Yep, we'd like to talk to you about Education Through Music. They partner with under-resourced schools to provide music as a core subject for all children. And they utilize music education as a catalyst to improve academic achievement, motivation for school, and self-confidence. Exactly. So they work with 52 different partner schools throughout New York City, um, and they work with them to institute sustainable music education programs by hiring qualified teachers, matching them with the school, and really equipping the teachers with the tools to succeed and be able to provide quality music education to all of the students attending that institution. So we think, you know, from this podcast, we think it's incredibly important to provide music education to all children, um, that everyone should have access to it to help, you know, really instill those lifelong passions that have been so influential for Campbell and I. So we believe that supporting this organization is the way you can support our podcast. Yep. And you can do so by going to give.etmonline.org slash boozicals. Again, that's give.etmonline.org slash boozicals. And yeah, you can really uh, help these kids if that's what you're into. Support the youths. Shut up. That's, don't, don't, don't patronize me. Okay. Uh, I don't need you Enjoy that episode. I'm done with this. <laughs> Cheers. Clink. Clink. <laughs> okay, friends. I'm really excited to talk about this musical. I have a lot of thoughts. I, I'm also really excited. <laughs> okay. So today, listeners, we have a very special guest. A dear friend of mine, someone I commiserated with in grad school. She has uh, left grad school. Good for her. She definitely put in the work and the time in. She's a fellow um, power hour pal. <laughs> Today we're joined by the wonderful Catherine. Ooh, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited like to be here. Good. We are excited to have you. Because if you weren't, you would have to leave. So. <laughs> <laughs> we have no a worries, zero tolerance policy on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, all, we're all serious all the time. All right, um, so let's get into what everyone has been listening to this week. Um, I will start because the answer is nothing. Um, for literally for the first time in my life, I have listened to like zero music this week. Are you okay? <laughs> I'm totally fine. I've been on vacation. And so the thing is like normally, so that, okay, the reason that matters. Normally, um, the primary times I listen to music are when I'm like driving or working on something that I don't need to actively focus on. Mm-hmm. But because I haven't really been going into my work site or like working on documents and stuff like that for my job. I just kind of like, I've been like watching TV, like I've been playing music, but um, not really just like listening to it. Interestingly enough. Gotcha. Yeah. What about you, Campbell? Um, so this week um, for time context, um, NPR just released a new tiny desk concert for Billie Eilish. Um, so I watched that big fan of her um and so i've just been listening to a lot of Billie eilish this week nice i really like her music and i really like her music videos they're the perfect level is like of like creepy but like catchy music that like i really try to look for yeah i feel like i should start listening to her because every time i like accidentally hear a song of hers i enjoy it but then i've never tried to listen to her music followed up yeah 
Yeah. That's exactly what I do also. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What have you what been listening you, to? I've been listening actually to a lot of podcasts this week just to help the monotony of working from home. So I've been listening yeah. to the Ologies podcast. You guys, that one is so good. It's phenomenal. I'm obsessed. So I guess that's free promo, but I love it so much. <laughs> it's such a, such a good one. And then for music, I kind of actually went outside of my realm a little bit. Listen to some old Dolly Parton this week for the oh, first time in a while. I love Dolly Parton. Oh. What a wonderful thing to do. Yes. <laughs> I love her so much. And, like, I love her music. Her as a person. She has given so, so much away for, like, this, especially just, like, one of the many things she does is, like, constantly buying, like, children's books and just giving them away from free yeah. to, like, anyone. I love her so much. Yeah. Man. She's one of those people that... I mean, obviously, I don't know her personally. Wish I did. But I feel like <laughs> if I met her, she just seems like such the biggest sweetheart. And I just, uh, I would just want to hug her, you know? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Catherine, would you like to tell our lovely listeners which uh, musical you picked for us this week? Oh, boy, would I. Um, <laughs> so it's funny. I was trying to think about, you know, what was something I could talk about. And Rent was actually one of the first musicals I saw, I, I, I guess, as an adult. So it was one of the first ones I was able to kind of really watch and like unpack it a lot. I mm -hmm. watched it as yeah. a freshman in college. And I, there's just so much hidden themes within it, which I think is just a lot of fun. And a lot of a lot of cheese as well, but that's a musical. Oh, yeah. yeah, there's always a little bit of <laughs> And I was also really excited to hear your guys' opinion because I was listening to your Chicago podcast um, and your, your guest said that she really didn't like the movie and you guys had said you'd never seen it. And I said, this is perfect. I'm just really excited to hear what you guys have to say. <laughs> yeah, I think, okay, so my, before we actually analyze it, my initial thoughts about Rent is that like, it's enjoyable, but I don't think it's the, I don't think it's a musical I would ever go out to watch. Like, I think if anyone was like, hey, you know, I'm going to watch Rent. Do you want to like sit down, like hang out and watch it with me? I'd be like, sure, absolutely. It's a cool, like it's a cool musical. But I don't think I'd ever be like, you know what I want to watch tonight? Rent. With a bottle of wine cuddled up on my couch? <laughs> yeah, I yeah, know. <laughs> I, I think there's definitely a lot of great themes in it. And I can, it's one of those, um, as well as musicals, I can totally understand why it's become sort of, uh, like very iconic and culturally very important, especially, especially within the LGBTQIA community. Um, but I just don't really vibe with it like that. I enjoy it, and that's it. I had fun watching it. There was definitely parts I really liked, and but like overall, I think I didn't really like it. Interesting. I and we'll we'll get into like why and stuff. Uh, but it was it's always good because a lot of the songs like I've definitely like heard before, and I did enjoy it for like overall context. And I think there's some things they definitely did really really well. Um, but just like as an overall musical, definitely not one of my favorites, but I still, I don't know, but that's like on the scale of, I like watching like all musicals. So I still enjoy yeah. really any of them. Except for, from Justin to Kelly. From Justin to Kelly. I like thinking back, um, that movie definitely like one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life, but I did have <laughs> a lot of fun watching it. That like reached the line of like. When people watch bad movies on purpose, that's what from Justin to Kelly. Yeah, is. honestly, yeah, it was it's bad. And like, 
and like all and with rent though there were like times that i would was definitely getting very emotional and so it it like as like a piece of like work and like art um to be able to and especially like i don't like cry during movies really ever mm-hmm. the only movies i really cry at are uh coco and the fox and the hound oh, for coco. obvious reasons yes <laughs> um and rent has made this list so i think it was definitely successful to me in that respect yeah okay well uh so let's i guess let's talk about a little bit of oh wait before that Catherine, what are we drinking oh yeah we are we are drinking something I found online when I was trying to find inspiration for what I thought went with this movie, and it's called Spent the Rent, which I thought, how appropriate for a bunch of broke New Yorkers. Um, <laughs> it has gin and sparkling wine. I chose Prosecco myself, and then some lemon juice, and that is it, which I think is great because they're things that almost anyone might be able to find stashed away in their house somewhere, so... Yeah, I really like this drink, especially with, like, how hot it is today and, like, my, like, sparkling wine's been, like, chilling for, like, a couple days. Um, and with, like, the, like, lemon juice, it's just refreshing. Yeah. yeah. So, I'm a fan, definitely. And we'll be having a lot of these. Oh, also, Catherine, um, don't feel compelled to drink as much as Raven and I, because we will be drinking a lot. What and are you in a saying? lot of cases, <laughs> we will, we discourage it. Um... <laughs> Because <laughs> Raven and I do overdo it during this, so. But isn't that the point? I mean, yeah, that's like the entire. <laughs> movie, so. Maybe <laughs> as you make your drink stronger, I'll make mine weaker, just so I can keep up. <laughs> it's totally up to you. Honestly, by the end of it, you could be telling us anything, and we'll believe you. So. <laughs> True. <laughs> hmm. See what I can get away with. Yeah. Right, um, I love lying to friends. <laughs> yeah, so let's <laughs> let's do a little bit of background of the musical. Um, so the 2005 movie version of Rent is an adaptation of the 1996 Broadway musical, which is actually based on um, La Boheme by, I think it's Giacomo, Giacomo Puccini. Puccini. Yeah, um, which is also based on um, Scenes de la Vie de, la, de Boheme, by Henry Munger. So just a lot of adaptation happening uh, in the history of this musical. Um, yeah. Yeah, so La Boheme itself, that this is based off of, was sort of set in Paris in around like the 1830s. Um, and it was kind of just to show the bohemian lifestyle of a poor seamstress and her friends. Um, and it was kind of a new idea and a new term that was kind of coming about, both in French and English, um, the concept of bohemianism. Um, so when Jonathan Larson was writing this musical, he said that he wanted to basically take La Boheme and set it in a little more modern setting. Um, and instead of being in sort of the luscious, beautiful setting um, where La Boheme was placed, like put in kind of the noisy, crowded space of New York and um, still give it that more modern Americanized vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And I think like it kind of does a really interesting d- job of doing that um, and really capturing a lot of those like bohemian concepts, which I mean, bohemians are basically just hippies for the 19th century that's a lot of what it is <laughs> yeah, that, that, like the, the term bohemianism it like came from france mm-hmm. um in the early 19th century so like uh musical artistic literary spiritual like people um and like basically creators um were like being to like be more concentrated 
and like a lower rent area, lower class in the Romani neighborhoods. Yeah. Um, so bohemian is just like a common term for the Romani people of France. Which is um, interesting because they applied that term to them because they thought they came from Bohemia, which I don't think is true. Yeah, they they were, yeah, they, they didn't come yeah. from there. Yeah. Um, and then like in more of a modern kind of context, um, as we'll talk about in the movie, it's still like, you know, same t- uh, type of ideals like music, art, literary, spiritual mm-hmm. pursuits, um, and like a lower rent, lower class kind of area. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I think uh, definitely having that understanding going into it um, does kind of help place it a little more. I don't think like it's necessary to understand to know the background before like going into this, but I definitely think it kind of gives you a different outlook on it, like a different way of analyzing the the film. Or the I enjoyed musical. learning it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we start off um, in like a stage opening and we get into the song Seasons of Love. So I've never seen Rent before. We've said probably like 20 times already. Um, but you have to know this song. Yeah. I've heard this song um, a million times. And I've heard this song parodied and joked constantly. Um, and as someone who hasn't seen this before, I was, I did think it was very interesting to open up a film adaptation with them singing on a stage. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And I thought it was really interesting how the melody of it kept coming back at specific scenes and times throughout the movie. Um, cause to me, it was kind of saying that seasons of love as a song, like everything that it talks about is part of the like overarching theme and overarching like motif of the story. Um, like that's yeah. at the end of the day, that's the sort of message that you're kind of supposed to get with this. Get from at this. the end of the year for them <laughs> at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah. I will say even when I hear the actual lyrics being sung, I can still only hear the version from the office when Michael was retiring and they were singing this song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. That is still what I think about. I mean, um, so this song will get stuck in your head so easily. It's very like an iconic, like Broadway song. Yeah. However, some points that I just like think are silly, uh, when they're like, um, how, how do you measure a year? Um, some of the things were just like units, like of distance. <laughs> yes. Um, so I just like, and like, I understand like, you know, cups of coffee, or, like, uh, measure and love, stuff like that. You know, I, I understand what they're trying to say. But some of those, I was like, like feet get you nowhere. Inches? Like, like I just, especially <laughs> that seems counterproductive. As an engineer, cast. I feel compelled <laughs> to point out that units of measurement for time and units of measurement for distance are very different because time and distance are in fact different dimensions. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I am very happy that Tay Diggs was in this, as oh. well as the oh, yes. iconic Adele Dazeem. As we must always Adele call her. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I thought I really liked the cast. And so, like, from their, like, original Broadway cast, six of them returned to reprise their roles. Yeah, so, I heard that. Um, in this film. So we have just, like, initially talk about, like, the main six people uh, that were on stage. If you don't count Tay Diggs, it's, they're literally, it's seven. They're literally my Zoom background. I... <laughs> <laughs> How many are there? Um, so we have Anthony Rapp, um, who plays Mark Cohen. Um, also, who played Mark on Broadway as well. Um, he's been in things like A Beautiful Mind, Dazed and Confused. 
Um, we have Adam Pascal. When I saw him immediately, I was like, School of Rock. I know who, right? exactly who you are. <laughs> yes. So played Roger Davis. Um, also uh, original cast. Then we have Rosario Dawson. Whom I, I love. She was so great. So much. Do y'all watch Jane the Virgin? I have seen it. I do not watch it. Yeah, same here. Watch it. It is so good. Um, yeah, she. I think she did a really good job. Uh, especially, like, when I knew some people were like, did this on Broadway, it felt like she did too. Yeah. But she didn't. Interesting. I think that's, like, how good she was. She was really good. We have Jesse L. Martin played Tom Collins, um, who's been in, like, a million things like Law & Order, Ally McBeal, The Flash. Um, Can I just say, real quick, mm-hmm. um, I would love very much to bathe in Jesse Martin's voice. It is... <laughs> <laughs> it is just... I did not know where you were going with that sentence, but I feel calmer now. <laughs> I just... It's so smooth and silky and just, like, the bass is... Oh, it's beautiful. He has a beautiful mm-hmm. voice. Yeah. Uh, we have Wilson Jermaine uh, Heredia um, plays Angel, um, who really, I don't know, stole the movie from me, personally. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we already said um, uh, Adele Dazeem. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Adina Menzel plays Maureen Johnson. Johansson, Johnson. 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 Yeah. Um, if you don't know who she is, like. How? How? Elsa. <laughs> Elphaba. Um, we have Tracy Toms, who plays Joanne Jefferson, um, who was not part of the original cast, but I thought she like crushed it, especially, especially in season. Especially the vocals. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that high note. Yes. I, I was amazed. It was so good. Um, and then last, like main character, uh, Tay Diggs, uh, Benjamin Coffin the Third. Which what a name! <laughs> when I saw it, on the, when I saw that that was his character's actual full name, I was just like, why? But also amazing. Yeah, so, and then Tay Diggs is Tay Diggs. I mean, we can talk about him, like, all day. Yes. And we will. Um, <laughs> we already have on the Chicago episode, and we probably will yeah. again. Yeah. Man. Tay Diggs. Yeah, so, Seasons of Love, um, still stuck in my head. Um, yeah, I just think it was a really cool way to start the movie. Yeah. Because, I yeah, I wasn't sure. I Some musical openings, I think, definitely, like, fall flat. Um, or they're, like, way too long, or I don't know what's happening. For example, West Side Story. It felt like 15 minutes of, like, that opening prologue song <laughs> thing in the background, which I think it was actually, like, two minutes long, but it didn't feel that it was It was five. Um, you were, like... It was Yeah, five. it was five. Eh, that's fine. Um, so, 30 minutes, thanks for correcting me. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I don't know, I just thought it was a cool way to start it. Yeah, and I think it's, I think it's a cool way of kind of immediately off the cuff introducing one of the major themes and sort of messages of the story overall because it, it really sets the tone for it yeah yeah okay um so then we get into the first sort of actual scene of the play itself or the movie itself um so we see mark writing well he's like recording filming his documentary um, mm-hmm. So we see that, and then uh, we see him ride into the city, and he's singing Rent. Uh, December 24th, 1989. Indeed it is. Um, yeah, so it's Christmas Eve. Um, 
and he's it's sort of a duet with him and Roger um yeah. but then eventually kind of everyone on the street joins in um and okay so here's my thing so everyone they're all saying um I'm not paying last year's rent I'm not paying this year's rent I'm not paying next year's rent and they all burn their eviction notices um and I just want to point out um that's not how that works. And they... Okay, but, okay, I will say, because I, like, when after I watched this movie, a lot of, like, references to, like, other TV shows and movies, like, started to make sense. Um, and I think they talk about it in Broad City, and they're like, how did they not pay rent for a year? <laughs> yeah. But, obviously, it worked. Okay, it... Because no, none no, of them did. It, no, no, no. It worked because for that, Benny for that said they could live there for free, right? And it was but he only, only said that it. to Mark and Roger. So what about That's everyone true. else on the street that was burning their eviction notices? <laughs> I, I mean, power of numbers. I mean, obviously, the who he worked for didn't need the money if they just like treated it as a game the entire movie. So didn't true. Oh no, renters and it's all a scam. Um, and like when they were like, because they didn't have they shut the power off. And when they were, like, starting the fire with, like, the flyers and eviction notices and, like, their screenplay, which I didn't think they needed to burn. I thought yeah. they were saying that they were doing that for, like, heat, for warmth. But then, but they, then they just the threw it out the window. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like... I did uh, think it was interesting how they were kind of, like, narrating their actions in the cinematography during that scene. Um, it was only for, like, a couple of lines, but they said something along the lines like, oh, zoom in at this point to capture this, like, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, it was kind of part of the song, which I always think it's interesting to have that sort of, like, meta element, too. Yeah. Um, especially something, like, based off of play. I always think it's fun to kind of break the fourth wall a little bit. I just can't believe they didn't pay rent for a year. I just, I just don't understand. And I cannot stress enough how, like, in real-life situations, burning your eviction notice does not invalidate the eviction notice <laughs> and also like a lot of these like main characters they do have jobs <laughs> yeah like they it's... they might not be making a lot of money but they they're making money they have income also how huge is that apartment insanely yeah. huge in new york Those city loft apartments are just beautiful like yeah yeah like your rent like even in the late 80s like your rent had to have been well over fifteen to two thousand dollars a month, fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars a month, and I just feel like for a whole year, that's a heck of a lot of money. <laughs> Good on them. Yeah, I support them. Um, yeah. So then we see um, Tom's character is coming over, like he uh, hails them from the balcony, um, and is going to come up, but then he gets beaten and mugged, but only for his jacket. I think. Well, they didn't find anything else. That's true. I, is how I yeah. took it. That that makes sense. Yeah. Because um, he said, they took my things, but I don't remember him really having any things. So was it just, yeah, just the jacket? Really well, maybe it was like his wallet was in like his jacket pocket or something like that. Mm. That would make sense, logically, I guess. Um, yeah, so then we um, come back. Uh, Benny is has come over, sort of like he comes over at the end of the rent scene song whatever piece um and so we see him like talking to mark and roger about uh how one they need to pay rent because it's been a year um but benny did tell them that they don't have to yeah so he did say oh because okay so we get into the song you'll see um and so he basically says hey 
if you convince Maureen to can- so apparently Maureen has a protest coming up and he says we Maureen convince- Park's uh, ex-girlfriend yes so he says if you convince her to cancel her protest so that there's not this big spectacle issue when I'm trying to deal with all this estate property stuff um, then I can one build a cyber art studio and two you won't have to pay rent basically ever again which well they haven't had to pay rent already for the last year apparently so and yeah, they've like, already kind of resolved not to pay next year's rent anyway so. which I think they've they said unifies as like a community yeah and I think they said that Captain like I think they said well we weren't going to anyway but sure <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just, I just don't understand. Benny is giving, then he was like, oh, things gonna happen if you don't pay your rent. And they're like, what? <laughs> I'm gonna call you bluff on this one. Which they do successfully. Yeah. Yeah. And they said that in the movie. They said when they act tough, call their bluff. And they did. And they succeeded. Yeah. So then we cut to um, Tom in, so it's the end of the song. We cut to Tom in an alleyway and we see that Angel finds him, um, kind of picks him up and says like, okay. I'll help you, take care of you, all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And we find out that uh, both of them have AIDS. Um, just kind of as a little more world building, understanding our characters a little more. Um, and, and honestly, one of the major, I don't want to say plot points of the movie. I guess themes throughout the movie? Themes, I, themes didn't sound like the right word either. Yeah. But um, the core of this movie also is also um, the struggles of people like during that AIDS epidemic. Yeah. Um and like the challenges they face. Yeah, and I think uh of the eight main characters, four of them you find out are uh dealing like or living with AIDS. Um yes. so it's yeah, it's definitely a major, major thing in the movie. Yeah. So then speaking of uh finding out who has AIDS, uh we go back to Mark and Roger's apartment and this is where we find out that Roger has AIDS. Um I remember at this point I wrote down, I was like, wait, does everyone in this movie just have AIDS? Is that just is that just what this is about? Um But yeah. It, it kinda it yeah, is. it is. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's like not not as a joke though. It just yeah. is, is yeah. what this is about. Yeah. Um Yeah, when um Mark's like take your AZT. Yeah. Which interestingly enough, okay, so the only reason I knew that Zetathomethine? Yeah, the only reason I knew that AZT um was a drug for AIDS um was because of the show Pose. Um, oh which is my god so good um Catherine, have you watched pose i have not uh, Catherine, you would love everything Watch about it immediately it. it's okay. about like the aids <laughs> epidemic the ballroom scene um in new york yeah mm-hmm. uh it's Catherine, you would love everything it's honestly it. it's right. set, so good it's set a little early i think it's like what late 70s and early 80s yes. yeah oh, so um, right at like the cusp of the pandemic or yeah pandemic, uh, excuse me uh, but it's, it's kind of like it's honestly kind it's, of like Rent as a show, but not mm-hmm. musical. Like, there's not, they don't sing. There are sometimes they sing. Um, and I think they do They do a better job of, like, expressing the severity. Yeah. Um, and, like, a lot of the people that are, like, more strongly affected by it. Yeah. Yeah. And they do, I think they do a really good job of, well, I don't know if I can say this because I'm not a part of that community, but I think they do a really good job of representing the community and sort of expressing it and explaining what they went through and what they honestly still are going through um in a lot of ways uh due to like you know just bigotry and racism and general hatred in the world so um but yeah it's okay. it's so good everyone should watch it um it's so good especially if you like rent so we get into one song glory which is very um c-list john bon jovi 
Well, honestly, a lot of his songs are Roger yeah. songs. Um, he kind of has that vibe. Yeah, because yeah. he really has the voice for that style, for like rock ballads, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked him in School of Rock. Yeah, he was great. Um, yeah, so one song I think was Lori, before this movie. Was it before? Oh, well, this was in 2005. I think so. Well, he was also on the Broadway cast, so like... Yeah. Which was like before that, whatever. Um, but yeah, so one song Glory is basically all about how he knows he's dying because especially back then, AIDS was basically a death sentence because they didn't really have, I mean, there's still no cure, but they didn't really have any solid treatments, True. you know? Yeah. I mean, there were a couple of things that could help you, but nothing like real. Um, so yeah, so the song is all about how he knows he's going to die and he really just wants to accomplish like one big thing, like, create one song that basically can be his legacy and will kind of carry on be super big be super famous and everyone will sing it and know it even after he's gone you know yeah um which is like really relatable but also just so sad yeah and i think uh this song definitely does uh is an example of like the type of musical styling that's like really like heavily featured in this musical Mm mm-hmm um, I don't think, I, I, I mean, I haven't really seen a lot of musicals that, like, exhibit kind of a more, like, alternative rock kind of, yes. like, music styling. I know there's, like, definitely musicals already out there. I just haven't seen them. Um, what did you guys think of it? Especially because, like, Raven and I are coming off from recently recording, like, Little Shop of Horrors, Hamilton. Very opposite sides of the spectrum of the musical genre. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the song itself didn't stand out a ton to me, but I think it just gave a ton of character development to mm-hmm. Roger when you learn about, you know, him used to, he used to be a junkie and his girlfriend was diagnosed oh, yeah. with HIV and then she died. And it's like you just get a real big insight to all of the, the pain and suffering this person has gone through, which is really important because then all of a sudden he meets Mimi, Mimi not to jump yeah. ahead, but mm-hmm. that's, I think it's just a really important character development. And this movie does feel kind of rushed sometimes, but that was one of the times where I was like, oh, okay, I know they're what this taking, person is doing. Yeah, they're taking yeah. the time to establish something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think even the title of the song, One Song Glory, compared to like, you know, the song he like eventually writes and like the other songs like he sings, um, it's definitely um, shows him as a person, like how solitary he is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, like, especially because his, like, friend group, with certain things, he's not the only one going through it, but he's, the, he's like, is choosing to handle it alone. Yeah. And I think that's definitely emphasized during this song. Yeah. I will say, um, kind of now on the subject, I do, I think one of the main things I did like about the musical was the use of, like, rock and alternative rock music, and, like, those kind of mm-hmm. um, musical... Which is my favorite type of music, so... Yeah, not mine, but I do really <laughs> enjoy it. Um, but I think it's... It's it's becoming less uncommon, um, but I think for a long time, musicals, and honestly, in some cases still to this day, um, a lot of musicals employ a lot of the same styles of music. Um, like, everyone knows a musical song when they hear it, you know what I mean? Like, the types of songs yeah. from, like, West Side Story and Grease and, like, stuff like that, you know when it's a song from a musical. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think switching up that style and that genre one makes it more appealing to different audiences you know people that might not normally watch musicals because they don't like that style of music um and also just helps set the stage of the like set the stage and the vibe for the characters like i think we understand these characters more because they sang these sort of like raw songs or at least raw for them you know Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, i agree 
Cheers. 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 Um, and I'm glad I got another drink because now we're at the song Light My Candle. And oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, I I just can't take this song seriously. It just feels like, just, just like the mo. Okay. There's many musicals that have this kind of like conversation through song. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, snippets of a little priest from Sweeney Todd, oh. I think does a really good job of that. Um, trying to think of other examples. But I think how they did this here in Light My Candle is should be like a workshop of like how you don't do this. <laughs> it was a little well, I think I think the difference between especially between this and if we are comparing it to a little priest, which should, nothing deserves to have to be compared to a little priest. But um, I think that one of the reasons it's not as good is because in a little priest they're switching up their tempo and like the time signature a lot, but they are still actively singing. Um, mm-hmm. and there's still like musicality to it. Whereas I think here there are lines that are sung and there are lines that are just said, but they're still like sort of music playing. And so I think it makes it a little, it makes it feel a little choppier in that sense. Uh, yeah. So I think, I think that's what gives it that vibe. Um, yeah. But I do think this song does give a, it does a really good job introducing Mimi and how Roger really relates to her and like, yes. like really understands what she's going through, whether she wants to like talk about it, deal with it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I do, um, I will say like, okay. What I was these... like, just take, just take the matches. Like, I understand you're flirting, but like, <laughs> He's obviously, like, not about it. But the thing is, he, like, kind of is. He's just trying not to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what she picks up on in much of their, I guess, courtship at the beginning, is that it's not that he doesn't want it. It's that he doesn't want to want it because he, at least at this point, he thinks he can't be with her because he's just like, I'm not going to risk putting her in danger. Like, I'm not going to risk, you know, making her live with what I have, you know? Um, yeah. I do want to point out when she's like, oh, I lost my stash. I think it's on the floor. And then she gets down on all fours. That back arch? I was just like, girl is going for it. <laughs> I mean, from the very beginning, she was like, uh, like you see in the hall. Okay. So I was very confused. Um, when uh, first you like see Rosario Darson, um, like in the hallway and she has a candle and she blows it out. I was like, that's creepy. What are you doing? You, it's still dark. <laughs> yeah. Like, where do you think you're going? I was like, oh, immediately after, I was just like, oh, you're just flirting. Yeah. That's fine. But at first, I was like, what is this random woman in the stairwell doing? <laughs> yeah. But I do think it's interesting because, like, the first, I think, three times, she blows out her own candle. Then the last time, he actually puts out the candle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, like, some of the lines from it, yeah, like, she's definitely, like, shooting her shot. Like, you talked about when she was, like, you know, on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, your hands back. are your hands are big like my father's. Bro, um, I was like, girl, we already know you have daddy issues. Like it's okay. <laughs> um, um, but no, when, and then I did forget it was Christmas Eve because she kept on saying "bah humbug," and I was like, what a weird thing to say. I forgot why that are you too. saying this? I was just like, why is she saying this? <laughs> I was like, oh, Christmas Eve. That makes more sense. I'm with it now. But like, it wasn't until like near the middle of the movie. I was just like, it was Christmas Eve. I was like, still thinking about yeah. it. It's like, why would you, who says bah humbug? I will say that is one of the things I don't, and I don't know if it was just me, like if I was just being dumb, but 
for most of the movie, I didn't really know what time it was or like how much time and days had passed since the last yeah. scene. Because I think I think most of them are fairly continuous and then it kind of just jumps forward, I think, to the next Christmas Eve. Because um, I remember the protest was around like, not the protest, but like when he's filming them, they're all in the costume stuff. It's around like New Year's or something. Um, but No, that anyway. is New Year's. That was New Year's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, but also another line that was wild in this song I forget what he says, but she responds with, oh, like your dead girlfriend. And I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> what? <laughs> Especially because like, she knows that she died. I think at some point she figures out that she died from AIDS. And I'm just like, that is... Well, what? <laughs> Raven, that's what I want to talk about. So yeah, and Catherine brought up before, like, Beck's girlfriend, April. So in the original, like, musical, um, April commits suicide by slitting her wrist like in a bathtub and then oh. um roger like finds the note and then they oh, wow. did film that for this movie but they were like that it's too much because there's a lot of things um that like they really try to be like super real with um which like i don't know i think you have to especially during the aids ep- epidemic absolutely um but there's like other things that they did think that was too much so then they just like took back out and that was one of the things so it wasn't, like, explicitly said, like, how the movie was cut now, that she, like, died. But she did die from suicide. Oh, I think still, okay. you know, related oh. to, like, her diagnosis and stuff like that. And, like, the life she was living. Um, but wild thing to say to someone you try to flirt with. Yes, to someone you were actively <laughs> flirting with and trying to get to like you. I was just like, that's not the way to do it, honey. <laughs> but it but works. But I feel like because... it just really fits her character. Like, she's just so feisty and and just kind of like a bull you know she's like a cat in a bull she's playful and teases him but also just charges head first into these things oh 100 percent. but like and we're like criticizing this but like it worked though because oh yeah get out goodbye um but like was it and like there's other times he's like get out goodbye and then she leaves but then he still follows and continues to sing at her like yeah it it works like she's like sized up, up like real good and like she knows it's going to work. Yeah. Which, like, during... When he did that, I was just like, wait, are you just going to follow her down to her place and then just have sex there? Because I was like, you could have just said that. <laughs> yeah. You didn't have to, like, go downstairs. Yeah. Weird. That's effort. Um, uh, yeah, so then... Um, she gets her drugs back. She gets her drugs back and, like, and then, like flaunts in front of his it. face. And then I was like, okay, so, like, why... It just seemed like a big waste of time on her part. Just like just from that interaction, not looking at anything that comes afterwards. Mm-hmm. So basically what happens in this scene, she goes flirts with someone. It's like, oh, I need a light. Can I get a candle? He goes through entire matchbook. Um, <laughs> he's like not about the entire time. She like drops her drugs and she was like, oh, I need to find it. And then he takes it away. It's like, okay, you can leave now. And she was like, haha, I win. I got my drugs. That's not why you win there well, for the okay, first place. Okay, but I, yeah. <laughs> I thought, and maybe I was just misreading the scene. I thought she didn't intend to drop her drugs. Like I thought the candle was the bit, but I thought she actually I did agree. drop her drugs accidentally. And she just took advantage of the situation by like talking about her ass. Yeah, but I think, yes. But I think um, she wagged it in front of him because she did see him pick them up. And then he put them in his back pocket or whatever. Like he was trying to hide them oh, from her. Okay, and I gotcha, think she gotcha. like wagged in front of his face just to be like, ha ha ha, you were trying to keep it from me, but I got it, bitch. Yeah. 
but also I still want to fuck you. So and then she and like it was just interesting how she left. She left like I'm a winner, and I was just like everything failed at like every corner during this. But did it fail? Because she did get him interested in her. Because when she started that song, he was like, "Oh, you're that girl from downstairs, right?" And then after that song, he was like, mm, "I want to fuck her, but I can't because I have AIDS." Which I think is interesting because, like, spoiler alert, turns out she did have a relationship with Benny. They're in the same circles. Yeah. How do they not know each other? Don't know. Truly perplexes me. That's a good point. I You don't really realize how intertwined all these characters are at this point in the movie yet. Yeah. So, that's... A... And I feel like you have to, like, know people to, like, in solidarity, not pay rent for a year. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's some there's some sort of organization and planning that doesn't happen organically. Well, okay, but again, so it seems like everyone who's getting the free rent is getting it because they have some sort of connection to Benny. Because Mark and Roger said that uh, they like like he was their ex roommate, they used to be friends and all that stuff, and also they just they just said to his face, "We're not going to pay it, so do what you want to do." Um, and it seems like maybe Mimi got free rent because she and Benny used to be an item, as they say. As it were. <laughs> as it were. Um, naturally. Um, and so, maybe everyone else, like, everyone else on that block, who knows? But at the very least, those three seem to have some sort of connection to Benny, okay. and they have free rent. So, you know. Everyone else just burned their eviction notices and thought that was good enough. Wouldn't it be nice? And then the Beach Boys start playing. It, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> on the same page. Okay. Um, um, yeah, so then we're in the next day. In. And then we... We see Collins comes mm-hmm. um, with Angel. Um, I love the like angelic harp noises that come when she's like coming through the door. And I was just like, "Yes, girl, get it. <laughs> Be an angel." <laughs> I love Angel so much. Um, and then we find out that so was Collins. Um, was he going to MIT? Was he teaching at MIT? He used the words "expelled." Yes. But, but he then he became a teacher a at NYU. Teacher. I truly don't know. I don't know either. I know he became, yeah, like you said, a professor. I, I kind of assumed he was a professor where he was originally. Yeah. Since they say he got kicked out. So he got kicked out he, for as a student. He probably wouldn't have become a professor. So I don't know. Yeah. Just because like, there's so many other things you could do if, if you were studying, you know. I'm going yeah. to assume... Um, he was, I mean, but also he could have been, he could have been a, a graduate assistant, uh, as Catherine <laughs> may know. He could have been a TA. He could have been teaching classes. That's true. He does. He could have had teaching experience. And if you have like teaching experience from MIT, I feel like other universities be like, you're I mean, good. Yeah. You're good. Yeah. Yeah. I I would agree with that. So it's been like seven months since he's like seen at least Roger. I assume both of them, because yeah. like, Roger doesn't give him a hug. And he's, and like, after was, seven months? Yeah. Which I think um, definitely, like, clues you in to, like, how Roger is internalizing and, like, trying to deal with um, having AIDS. Yeah. As with Collins, with someone who's, like, also has it, um, he, like, Rogers is, like, forcibly di- distancing himself from everyone. Yeah. And to Whether me, they have it or not. To me, it kind of plays into, um, like, how there was that whole bl- incorrect belief that, like, basically you could catch AIDS 
physically just from being in contact with a person who had it, uh, which is yeah. very, if yeah. anyone doesn't know, is not correct. <laughs> and so, like, yeah, so there were so many people that literally, like, treated, like, they treated people with AIDS like they had, like, leprosy, basically. Um, yeah. And they were um, treated as pariahs. And they were... Re- and, and a lot of times refused to treat. Yeah, yeah. Um, they wouldn't treat them, they wouldn't interact with them, they refused to, like, touch them and stuff like that. And to me... Roger and um, Tom kind of reflect like the two different sides of like dealing with that. Like Tom to me is very open and warm. He's just like, well, I'm going to hug the people that want to hug me. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to spread love wherever I can um, because I'm, because none of us are getting enough of it, you know? And Roger has seemed to kind of like close himself off and be like, well, I'm just going to like, I'm just going to keep to myself then and, not inflict this on anyone else, you know? I think they're great foils of one another. I would agree. I love using the word foil, and I love when I musicals have foils. <laughs> yeah, I, I love me a good literary device. <laughs> uh, okay. And then we get into the song uh, Today For You. Yes. Which was basically just, like, you know, a practice, like, performance for Angel. Um, uh, where she talks about how she was contracted to kill a dog for to kill someone's lady. dog that because, blew my because they were like barking Evita, Evita which also is like the best Avida <laughs> yeah. for like a name for like a dog that's hilarious but also, no it's an Akita just, named Avida which makes it yeah, even better sad. oh I, I, okay I well then I'll take that out say that. I'll, I'll just no, take it don't. no I'm cutting it out no why do you cut out the parts where you're wrong <laughs> Because I am the one who edits. I have all the power. <laughs> I could start editing. Mm, don't you do that. You could do it. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I sound start... stupid a lot more than you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you make me sound really mean to you. Because uh, you are. Do you deny it? It's equal. Anyway. Um, so, yes. <laughs> Angel. And angels acrobatics as she was singing the song i was like out of breath watching it i was like this girl she's just killing it i had so much fun she can lip sync for her life it's wild oh my gosh okay okay so uh yeah so then mark gets a call from maureen uh asking him to help setting up like the sound and production and everything for her protest slash because joanne doesn't know what she's doing apparently um something i did not like though when they're like, oh, Maureen's dating someone new, and they're like, oh, yeah, someone named Joanne, and they start laughing. Yeah. I did not appreciate that. Didn't care for that. Bi people exist. Um, I also, I also so hate the, because I think they actually did say it in the movie, but I, I so hate the concept of like, oh, she was dating a guy, and now she's with a girl, so the guy so turned her gay. And I'm just like, that's not how sexuality works in the slightest. But anyway. Oh, we also do find out that Mark is like still on like um, good terms with his family. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because they the call voicemail him. from his family. They call him. Yeah. And then they, it leaves a like very loving note and like very supportive <laughs> message. Also great. Like leave your name at the beat. They're like speaker. Um, love that. That was great. <laughs> that truly. I love that. <laughs> But then, like, yeah, so it's like, yeah, we're all thinking about you. I'm so sorry to hear about the breakup. She doesn't deserve you. Like, I didn't appreciate the dad. It was just like, yeah, uh, who cares about Oh, they were like, she doesn't know what she's missing. Like, like, kind of almost, like, scolding her. 
for choosing yeah. a woman over their yeah. son. Which but I was also, like, oh. she very much does know what she's quote-unquote missing because she was just with him. <laughs> <laughs> but I do understand, like, your family trying to be supportive. And be yeah, like, totally. She's in the wrong and stuff like that. Yeah. But then they hang up, and then Mark's like, oh, see why I don't talk to them or go home? <laughs> like, that, what everything they said was, like, completely it was horrible. so nice. <laughs> and trying to stifle his creativity. They are just like, hey, just calling. We loved you. Sorry about the breakup. I think, uh, don't worry. We, we're hopeful that you can pull through. Um, even if you feel a certain way, your feelings are valid. But, like, I want you to know how appreciated you are. And he's like, man, these people can go fuck <laughs> off, right? <laughs> Yeah, I remember being very confused at that line and being like, Your but sister's they... here with the kids. We're all thinking about you. We love you dearly. <laughs> Assholes. Uh, yeah, he's not great. But anyway, um, yeah. so he goes to players. the location of the show to supposedly talk to Ma- or to talk to Maureen with the intent of talking to Maureen. Gets there. Maureen's not there. Um, but Joanne is there. Um, and so she's like, ugh, typical. She called you. I told you not to call. I told her not to call you, blah, blah, blah. Um, she's like, I hired an engineer to fix this, was but they're three hours late. So. Okay. Was she sleeping with the engineer? Is that what that was alluding to? I didn't think so. Oh, Maureen, was Maureen sleeping Mar- with the engineer? Yes. I didn't think so. Because she called an engineer, and then, like, Marina was like, we are running late. I assume she was with the engineer. Or was like, oh, we already got it fixed. Called it Pookie, whatever. Um, and then, like, during the song we're about to talk about, talking about how, like, she cheated on her, or she is cheating. Yeah. Or, like, talking about that stuff. I wasn't sure if that was what was going on. I didn't pick up on it specifically being the engineer. But definitely got the vibe that she was sleeping with someone. But I don't know. Okay. Okay. Maureen is just uh, still such a mystery at this point. You just don't know anything about her. You don't. You haven't seen yeah. her on scene yet. So she's just this really vague character that has so much pull over and these two so people. And is so established really at the same that. time. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah I thought that was really cool, especially because like the until like her grand entrance and performance, which I want to talk about in nauseum. Um, Ad nauseum. Ad nauseum. Indeed. Um, we only see, like, her dancing one off, never, like, barely speaking. We have that one voicemail. Mm-hmm. But she isn't in it, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Joanne got the pipes. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, so we get to the song Tango Maureen. Um, so great. I really like this song. This is really cool. Especially, like, the test... One, two, three, and it's like, no, don't do that. that. <laughs> it's like don't literally anything but that. <laughs> I was like, rude, but like hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah, so then basically they're talking about how she's so almost like intoxicating in a way where like when you're with yeah. her, like you just want to be with her and like you'll pretty much do anything to be with her, even though you know that she's kind of like screwing you over. Um, and I love how they were both like, this is weird, right? Like, they're addressing this situation. Yeah. Which I think a lot of people don't do in, like, TV and movies. They're like, I agree. we don't like this. Yeah. And we should talk about it. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Maureen, or not Maureen, Joanne pushes Mark over at one point when they're dancing together. Um, and oh, he hits his... Let's talk about the dancing for a second. Okay. Because they're, like, talking and stuff. 
And then it was like part like you know how there's like you know how there's like dancing in musicals. People <laughs> stop saying stupid shit. Um, but this was different. It was like they're talking, they're like figuring stuff out, and then they just decide to dance. Yeah, it's like not a part of the song. They just like naturally were like, "This is what we're doing now." It was very interesting, and I was and, like, "I know the song is Tango, tango Maureen. Maureen." Yeah, but like they and don't know that. <laughs> and then they're, they're like talking. It's like, "Oh, who taught you how to tango?" And then I was like. Oh, wait, so this is, like, not part of the song. This is just, like, part of the reality, the yeah. non-musical reality. They are just doing the tango in this area. But that is something that I have well, I guess I haven't quite... That you do? No, no, no. I was going to say, I, I haven't quite decided if I liked it or didn't like it, but I guess what I, liked, I liked about this musical is that, unlike a lot of other musicals, the songs, a lot of the songs, seem to be happening in real life in the story. Whereas, like, in, yeah. a, in a lot of musicals, it seems like, like, they do the musical piece, and it's as if, like, in real life, they were just talking through that, and the music was and purely for the sake of the audience. To us. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, like, in this yes. musical, it's like, no, like, when they're singing, the care, like, in the story, music is happening. Like, in the story, song is happening. So I kind of liked that. I did like that, too. Yeah. Um, because I think uh, there's some, like, fun tropes about it. For example, in, like, Enchanted. Oh yeah. Where uh, was it? Is it Patrick Dempsey's character? Yeah, and he's just like, I don't know this song. Like, how do you know these lyrics? He's like, how do you all know this song? <laughs> yeah. Kind of thing. And it's like the Breaking same that thing with that. But, a little bit. Yeah, but like, and huh, Adele Dazeem's also in that movie. Indeed, she is. Um, and so I just think it's like so interesting that they like have that, but like no one calls them out about it. It's just like, oh, this is just our life. Yeah. They're living theatrically in real life. <laughs> they should get a Tony um, for it. Yeah, so says Jenna Maroney. Um, another that's one thing I liked about this. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I liked about this Tango Marine also is that this is I think where kind of where Anthony Rapp, the guy who plays Mark, really shines because to me he's just true Broadway. Like he has those kind of big expressions and those big yes. gestures. So when you get these scenes where he's singing and dancing, like to me that's where he shines as an actor. So that's something I really liked about this scene. I was like, oh, I see the Broadway in you. So that was kind oh, of... Oh, yeah, I cool. definitely totally. agree. And I think he really, like... I mean, this is, like, multiple times he's, like, really embodied this character. He is this character. Um, with, like, some... Like, he obviously can dance. He's a very accomplished um, person. Um, but, like, the character Mark itself, you see as this, like, nerdy, like, documentarian. And so some of the dances, he's just, like, very a Kristen Wiig target lady. Um, but he, like, conveys that well with still being good. Yes. Yeah. I, I definitely think he shines a lot in this movie. Um, especially because a lot of the other characters, which I guess we can get into this more as we go on, but... A lot of the other characters, one, there's a lot of love songs in this movie, which makes sense because there's three different love stories happening at one time. Um, but I'd say more than three. You just see, you just are like shown like endings of other love stories. That's fair. That's fair. Like, how else would you measure a year, Raven? Oh my god. Anyway, um, <laughs> that eye roll physically hurt me. <laughs> like, took like psychic damage from that eye roll you just gave me. Um, yeah, but Mark doesn't have, like, he is sort of still interested in Maureen, but he doesn't have, um, a love, like, storyline in this movie, um, and so- Except his craft. I literally was going to say that. I literally was going to say that his love interest in the movie is filmmaking. 
Um, but yeah, and so to me, I think he especially shines because a lot of the other characters, a lot of the times that they're most emotive is in the course of them pursuing their love storyline. Like they're they're in a love song or yeah. some sort of song devoted to the person that they have feelings for. Whereas Mark doesn't really have that in this movie. And so to me, I think that's why a lot of his singing and a lot of his songs stand out in that sense because they are different from what all the other characters are doing. Yeah, yeah. I would agree. I felt so bad for Joanne. Yeah. During this song, when she's like really understanding, she was like, I, I don't act that way. She doesn't act like that way to me. And um, he's like, oh, has she said this? And she was like, oh, shit. Yeah. And then she, and then he's like, oh, like, has she ever called you Pookie? And she's like, she's never done that. And then she calls her and calls her Pookie. And she's like, oh, no. <laughs> it's like she saw a ghost. Yeah. 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 In this musical number, you really see like t- two directions, like, Mark's starting to feel better because he realizes, like, it wasn't me. Like, I'm not the problem here. The common denominator is Maureen. And Joanne's kind of like, oh, shit. Like, also kind of realizing the same thing. Like, yeah, something else exactly. is going on here. Exactly, Catherine. And he, like, literally, uh, uh, like, says that. He's like, afterwards, he was like, I feel better, don't you? And she was like, no. <laughs> She's like, I feel lousy. What are you talking about? And he was like, oh, okay, let's get this work. boop boop <laughs> And he, like, fixes the sound system. So... Yeah. Uh. Um, so then we go over to the life support meeting. Uh, um, for these these meetings, these songs. These they, as much as I like I joked chest. around about this musical, like I, yeah, I really like felt it in my chest with these. Um, and oh, man, it's just so upsetting. But like able to like. If you have, like, some kind of work that's able to, like, elicit that kind of emotion, you know it's doing a good job. Um, these life support um, members are so good for so little they're shown. You know? Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, it's ridiculous. Um, especially uh, uh, Aaron Lore, who plays Steve. He's, like, one of the main ones singing. I know, like, Paul is, like... I guess he's, like, leading the group. He's played by uh, Daniel uh, London. But Aaron Lore, um, who's, if you, he's been in, like, Newsies. Uh, he was one of the main characters in The Mighty Ducks. And he also was, like, Max's singing voice in the Goofy movie. Oh. Um, yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff. And then the other members of the group, Wayne Wilcox played Gordon. Bianca Sims played Allie. Heather Barbary played... Don, um, Lisa Cohen played Sue. Um, I think that acting, when they're, like, telling their stories, they're like, yeah, I feel better now when they're talking about their, like, T-cells and they're, like, talking about how they're, like, you know, living with AIDS, um, in this kind of, like, setting. I, I don't know. It just really hurt to see it. Yeah. And I thought it was really interesting because the, the character that spoke up and said that his T-cells, T-cell count was low. You know, that's a sign that your HIV is progressing to AIDS or that your AIDS is getting worse, right? Yeah, and then yeah. he's saying, like, I feel better. Like, I just thought that was, like, a really powerful moment where, you know, he's getting this diagnosis that's saying, you know, you're you're actively dying. But he felt good. And I think that was really interesting. Yeah, that, like, coming, coming into terms of, like, that kind of, like, peace, like, he knows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not up in the air. It's like, yes, I have this. Is it going to affect me? Like, honestly, and I think, honestly, 
please, listeners, watch Pose. Um, because when Billy <laughs> Porter talks about uh, one of his, like, lovers, like, dying of AIDS oh, or, yeah. like, uh, a lot of the characters in it, and he talks about, like, how many people in his life that have been affected by this and how many people he's lost because of this. Um, it's, and how overwhelming it is. It's, like, it's something to learn about. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I find it really interesting, the lyrics of his part, because he says, like, um, I'm trying, like, he says, like, I'm trying to open up um, to, like, things I don't know, because reason says I should have died three years ago. And to me, yeah. that kind of plays into that line of, like, this is the best I felt all year, because while, yes, he, is he afraid? Absolutely. Like, is he... Um, afraid of what this diagnosis means for him and how it's going to play out and what he's going to have to deal with. Absolutely. But he still made it this far. Like he's still mm-hmm. li- living as of this point, you know what I mean? So yeah. um, I think there's always, I think this, the point of these um, life support meeting scenes, not only is to give us more insight into what these individuals were going through and how it played into the larger story and the larger dynamic and setting of this time, but also it kind of fleshes out that message that we hear in seasons of love a little more of like, open your life to love. Don't let yourself be controlled by fear. Let yourself um, be open and happy and feel whatever joy you can, because at the end of the day, you only have this one life. Um, like, no other road, no other way, no day but today. You know, like you might as well oh, yeah, feel honestly, the, the joy the you can. The only thing you control is the moment you're currently living in. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stay in the moment. And I think um, both of Which the is both of the I've life support never been able to do ever. <laughs> uh, and I think both of the life support meeting scenes really help to reinforce that. And to me, they're the most. They're at least two of the most emotional scenes. Like they're they're the main scenes where I like got really emotional in this movie. Oh yeah, especially the second one. I like was fully crying. So oh well, I wasn't crying, yeah. but I was tearing up. Yeah. So that's and crying. something I didn't think that about happens. until just now, but kind of circling back to the very beginning when we're talking about you know how do these people get away with not paying rent for a full year? You know they had they had jobs, but the cost of HIV medication is just oh, astronomical. Uh, Why? You know what, Catherine? That is very insightful that's something i straight up didn't think about i didn't think about it till just now but i actually took a class on hiv aids when i was an undergrad and we had a man come in who was diagnosed with hiv in the 80s and was still alive and just was like a a guest speaker to talk about his experience and he was saying he paid out of pocket like three thousand dollars a month for his antiretrovirals which Mm -hmm. is like it's just astronomical how much People are paying, and I have no idea what it would have been like in the 90s, but, yeah, you know, like, paying rent was probably, if you're trying to stay alive, paying rent was probably just an afterthought, too, you know? Yeah. And yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's sad that that's, it's, it, you know, it's, it's a topic in the movie, but it's a real-life topic now, also, yeah. that people yeah. are living with. Honestly, the and amount like, of people also... in the world that have to choose between, like, rent eating and life-saving and life-saving medication that they physically need is insane and like not just in america but just like in the world in general yeah yeah, yeah. sorry that was a total jump in topic but i was just no no but it. that's like, <laughs> definitely that's like rele- real, very relevant and it's really important to talk about um because that's definitely something i didn't consider before i'm just like how do they not pay rent like they have the deal Obviously, I was in support of them not paying rent. That's, like, not what I mean by that, especially because it was working. Yeah. Like, you know, as a community, <laughs> like, really, like, delved into that. 
but yeah, that's, um, you know, going against like my own like privileges in life and something like, of course I didn't consider, but I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Um, so then after the life support meeting, we go over to the cat scratch, the cat scratch club and lounge lounge. Yeah. Um, and we see Mimi performing, um, very well, um, and she sings. She is crushing she it. She is crushing it. Um, and we, she's performing out or singing out tonight, which I think, I think is really great. And I think when she's, so when she's in the club, it has, I think it has like one meaning of just like, oh, you know, like, I want to go out, like kind of like a girl, she just want to have fun vibe. Like I want to dance with somebody. Like, oh, let's like, just say yes. Yeah. I want to have fun. Like I want this to be a fun night. I don't want to like think about my worries and stuff like that. Like just take me out and we'll have fun, blah, blah, blah. And then when she, as she's like walking home and she gets home, it's still got that fun, like upbeat tune, but I think the meaning of it kind of changes a little bit. And it's more of not just, oh, I want to go out and have fun tonight, but like, I don't want to have to worry about the things that I have to worry about in life. Like I want to be able to have a release and have fun um, and kind of just be myself and not have to deal with all these problems like weighing me down. Yeah, I agree. Well, I just, I loved this scene of um, Mimi singing out tonight while she was dancing. Like you just see this full range of her, of her skill set and her vocals and just she can dance. The girl can dance. Absolutely. I was just like, oh, I had such a fun time watching that. I just, I love her. <laughs> yeah, and to me, like this scene is one of the ones that kind of establishes Mimi and um, Rosario Dawson as well as sort of a powerhouse. Like she is yeah. a full, vibrant, bright personality. And when you watch this scene, like whatever thoughts you had about her up until this point, and whatever thoughts you have about her afterwards, like the one thing you know is that she is a whole ass woman who will like yeah. do and say and be whatever she wants and do not try to bring her down you know i just i loved it yes. so much yep i was such a big fan and then she just you know after she leaves the club and kind of just charges into i say charges but you know goes Breaks back in. to rogers <laughs> <Breaks in. Yeah. laughs> Holy, just like he's just like you know jamming out and then all of a sudden someone just comes singing into your living room from like the fire escape <laughs> Somewhat jarring. <laughs> Which, like, I'm glad he addressed in the song. Okay, yeah, so she comes into Roger's apartment, and we get into the song Another Day. Um, which, like, he does kind of address, like, hey, you just, I was playing my guitar, you just barged in here saying that you want to have sex, and you, what, what did you expect to happen right now? <laughs> um, but yeah, but I, I did, I did like the, um, the sort of aside, I don't know if it was an aside, but, like, the sort of, like, aside i guess that he had to himself when so he like sang to her and basically like reproached oh, no, her i would call it a side yeah and like he like reproached her for being like why would you just come barging into my apartment i'm hanging out by myself i'm playing my guitar i'm chilling um but then he like opens the door i think to his bedroom or something he does something um no no he, to the hallway yeah that makes way more sense totally. yeah he opened yeah. he opened the door <laughs> to the hallway um and I thought he was just going to leave her and go to bed by himself. That's what I thought was happening. <laughs> oh, no. Um, yeah, so he opens the door to the hallway and, like, has this, has a couple of, I don't know what the exact lyrics were, but he, like, has a couple lines that he says to himself that, to me, is more revealing, like, 
to me, it solidifies the idea that it's not necessarily that he doesn't want her. It's that he doesn't feel like he can be with her because of his diagnosis. And so this is his way almost of letting her down easy, but it's, mm-hmm. it's more of like he's rejecting her so that he doesn't have to kind of deal with the pain of being like not being able to be with her. Yeah. And this like, song, I think, is the first time we hear that lyrics, the I should tell you, I should tell you, yes, that yes, we hear several times throughout the rest of the of the musical. So you're really starting to to see kind of that torture that he's feeling like, oh, I just like, I want to talk to you about this and, and I should tell you what's going on. But no, now's not the right time. Another time, another place, I think, is one of the lyrics in, in that song. So, yeah, and I think I think it's very interesting because I think each couple has so obviously everyone in life has their own issues and their own flaws and like especially when you get together with another person there are going to be unique issues that you're going to have with that person specifically and i think the couples in this movie do a really good job of illustrating that because each couple has their own sort of thing that like that like yes. um, pervades all of their songs together um and with Mimi and Roger, it is that concept of I should tell you, I should tell you, because not only are they actually repeating that in pretty much all of their songs together with each other, but also there are so many things that they're not saying to each other that they don't actually physically say to each other until the end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. it's also like things that they do know. It's like these characters, like it's more seen through Roger. And like, I know we were talking about how Mimi was very much like, you know, take me out tonight. This is how I'm going to live my life. However, those two characters um, are the most affected and like constantly thinking of like, quote unquote, like baggage that they have. Yes. So they feel the need to be like, I should tell you, I should tell you. But like, it comes to a point where it's like, I already know like you, like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's not necessary. Like I accept your baggage. Like I need, I want to find someone to carry that baggage with me. It's like, it doesn't matter because that baggage is not you. Yeah. And I accept you for who you are and I love you for that. Yeah. yeah. And so like, and, and, and so then um, on a funnier note, in another day, this was the part where he like opens the door and he was like, get the fuck out. I'm not interested. And she was like, fine, I'll leave. And she's like walking down the stairs oh, and, he... and he's like, and another thing. <laughs> she's like, dude, she's I'm totally leaving. not interested. <laughs> um, I'm like, okay, come on. And then they're girl. singing from the streets, you know, back up to the loft. Yeah. Cause so she doesn't they're just really go to her. this out. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't just go he... to her apartment. She goes out of the building entirely. I was like, you could just go to your room, but okay. Yeah, and then we see, like, everyone else, like, singing with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, at first, I was like, do you know her? I had because, the same like, thought. <laughs> yes, But, like, yeah. Angel does, definitely. Yeah. Um, yes, because they had that hug. The... You could see a lot of pain in that hug. <laughs> yes. And then Mark comes back up, um, and they're, like, talking and stuff. They hear the message from Benny, um, which, honestly, in a business transaction over voicemail, my offers expires after dark does not sound <laughs> um, legit. No, it's, like, it's what not. What is that, like 7.39 p.m.? Like, what, what does this mean? We shall consult at dawn. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not, that is not legally binding. That's not how Like, this is. is 1989, not like 1754. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, you have that. clocks. <laughs> but yeah, that I was a very specific clock. year I for you to have chosen. clocks. In the 1700s. Okay, but you know, on, you know the point. Your, no, 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 I don't. I'm going to choose to ignore. Oh, I love this. When were clocks 
Invented. Oh my gosh, you're the worst. Clocks were invented. Do you okay, you wanna make a guess? What century? Raven, you wanna make a guess, Catherine? I think it was the fifteenth century, right? I was gonna say fourteenth. Oh man. It was the 14th century. Oh. Catherine is now the new co-host of Bush <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> It has been decided. Anyway. Uh, where are we in this musical? Uh, uh, oh, okay. So we get that voicemail. Oh. <laughs> okay. Ooh, we're having a guest amp it up. Ooh. Don't feel like you have to keep up with me. <laughs> Made that one yeah, strong. Catherine, I have never doubted you. with <laughs> Because you have been my drinking buddy here. In Oregon, I've never doubted your prowess. I'm just saying, now that you have left grad school and a source of many people's misery, probably don't drink as much. No, I don't. (laughs) Don't feel compelled to poison yourself like Raven and I will be doing (laughs) this podcast. Cheers. Oh. Cheers. Cheers. Plunk. Plunk. Continue. Mark is like, you should come to life support meeting. That's where I'm going. And Roger's like, the saying's like, no, and stuff. He's like, oh, I'll be fine. I'll live. And he walks off. And then Mark's like, right. Which I thought was a very important line. Yeah. Cause... Because it's like, I mean, even though, like, Mark does not have AIDS, um, I, I he is doing a documentary about it. But I'm, it was good for his character to show the awareness of where his friends are at. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Because, yeah, and I think that's that's definitely... An important thing with this the musical and the story is that it really shows how because again only four of the eight major character only four only four of the eight major characters um, are living with AIDS and so I think a very big part of the story is showing how it doesn't just affect the people that are living with it it also affects every life they touch everyone they're close to like everyone you love is affected by that diagnosis as well and I think the story does a really good job of showing that and especially showing the support that those people um, can still show for you and the love that they can still give you you know yeah Yeah. Um, so then we get to Will I which is oh I I can't wait to talk about this this song (laughs) start us off Catherine because this is rough it's it's amazing because this song is only four um lines right like that's just repeated over and over but there is so much emotion so much pain and meaning behind these words that it's just really overwhelming and you know you're watching this the circle of people at life support and then people just start fading out which really like honestly it broke me yeah Yeah. this, this was like one of the parts i was like this it was it was really it was really hard. Yeah. And I'm glad and I'm glad it was. Yeah. I mean it's important to to see how volatile sometimes these these life support groups can be. Like there's people coming and going all the time and like And that... I think it especially with really trying to understand and respect the people like going through this time with like so like these these people were like this is they were a support group. Because in a lot of cases, families, hospitals, other medical professionals, yeah. they were not a support group, which yeah. is still like intrinsic to today with like, you know, that kind of like bigotry and the medical field. Um, uh, 
man. Yeah. That, that was actually one of my biggest notes is that um, I like the fact that it was a very simple melody with a, with just a single repeated refrain because it to me it allowed it allows you to pour so much more emotion into it. Um, yeah. And to me, being able to emphasize just those individual words evokes so much emotion and sympathy, especially in a time where honestly most people didn't care about these individuals like they didn't care about um people in the lgbt community they didn't care about junkies they didn't care about you know as they saw it the like quote-unquote like throwaways of society they were just like yeah like like a lot of people honestly thought you got this disease because you deserved it you know and so to see them having to struggle with that and having to deal with not only the reality of the condition but also the reality of how society is viewing them and treating them um, and see that somehow still be able to be emoted with four lines of song is just, it was powerful. It was really powerful. Yeah. It was such, it was so well done. This is that, definitely one of the things I, I like, one of the parts were that definitely shown to me in the movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. That line, you know, of the, of the four that are spoken that said that will someone care that can mean so many different things. Like, is someone going to care that I'm hurting? Is someone going to care that I'm dying? And that can also mean like, am I going to miss out on love because someone cares that I have HIV? You know, it can, it can mean so many different things that I was just, well, the people I already have in my life still care now that I have this. Yeah. It was just, it was, I was thinking about all these things. It was just really very powerful, but so simple song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I literally wrote down best song so far. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I think one a very very powerful moment in this musical, where um, so Mark has like got permission from people to like you know film these like sessions and mm-hmm. stuff, and they're outside and there's these two policemen removing a woman. From the streets. Um, it's like you cannot stay here. Um, and she. And how she like. Describes the situation. While being filmed. She was like I do not consent to being filmed. Stop trying to use me. To kill your guilt. Yeah. yeah. Which I think is very important. Because like yes. There are a lot of people who are like. Bring attention to a lot of these. Uh, different like issues and causes and stuff but I think it's like definitely as not I don't know if, I don't know as important it's important to know what the intentions are for these yes and I think this is like what really added some complexity to like Mark's character whether mm-hmm. it's like he's struggling with this or if he's not and maybe he's just like a shithead <laughs> kind of thing Because, like, for a while, I was just thinking he was just, like, this entitled dude that, like, he didn't have to, like, he's definitely, like, you know, he's living in poverty and stuff. But, like, he does have the support system and means not to be. Yeah. Which kind of, like, rubbed me the wrong way. And Mm -hmm. when she said that, I was just like, yeah, don't try, I, like, I don't know, the huge problem I have, and especially I've learned living in Oregon is that a lot of these, like, causes and issues do seem like fads for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, the, there are a lot of people that this is just their life. Like, this is yeah, just what they have to deal life. with. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think, I, I really think it's interesting that you bring up, especially Mark's um, means, like, his family and everything, because um, 
one of the things like was like with the bohemian lifestyle and everything there were um there were some individuals that it was, it was referred to as like voluntary poverty where it's one of those things where it's kind of like the concept of like the starving artist or whatever where like there are some yeah. people like they are an artist and they truly are starving because they're trying to like promote their work and get their work out there and they haven't like made it yet, you know? Um, yeah. And then there are some people where that lifestyle, again, is almost like a fad for them. It's almost like, like the, the concept of like boho chic, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Which I try to I, like, which I go back and forth on with Mark because like, yes, how he's supportive he is and like, the like what like you do understand what's really important to him yes but it's hard to distinguish that from his situation yeah and i i think one of the interesting things about this about the roster of characters for this musical is that they all really do have differing situations and they learn to come together and be a family and love each other despite and and despite in spite and because of that you know yeah Um, i think that's a that's a good way to say that. Yeah, and I think, like, with Mark, to me, like, Mark is the person that I think they all kind of know, like, he has a supportive family. His family loves him. Like, if he did want to go back and live with them, they would take him in. Yeah, I think you're you're totally right. Yeah. Where, like, this is, like, recognizing is like, yeah, you can't do this stuff. Like, you have this opportunity based off of, you know, different situations, privileges. Yeah. Support systems. And, to and me, I do think the fact that he's, like... I don't know. It just seems very performative in a lot of situations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. And at the same, but like in other situations when he's just like with his like, you know, his close friends, his chosen family. Yeah, he's very I genuine. I, I, I don't feel that way. Yeah. He's a very complicated character and it bothers me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Aisha Dehas, uh, you know, the woman who was removed, mm-hmm. I think her role and her like lines and just her character in this musical. Um, just spoke out the most to me yes. from the whole movie. Um, and I think she did a really good job of it. And like, I did recognize her cause she was like, she was like one of the, like uh, one of the like supporting parts in across the universe. And she's been in, like a few episodes of law and order. I've seen so many episodes of law and order <laughs> uh, with like my grandmother. Um, but I think I, I, like, I would have been upset, and this is something I thought about, where, like, I thought it was weird that he was, like, documenting all these things, and everyone just seemed to be okay with it. Yeah. That when it came to the point where someone, like, spoke up for themselves, is like, my life is not to be used as your tool. Yeah. Because I... I, I'm really, really glad they addressed that. Yeah. Because I actually thought that it would happen when he first went to the life support meetings, and he... And granted, then he did ask, you know, for permission um, and for their consent. But, like, I really thought someone was going to be like, oh, no, no I'm not okay with that. Like, this is my life. This is These are my struggles. I don't want this put on, for lack of a better term, I suppose, put on blast so that you can have your creative art award or whatever, you know? Yeah. 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 Which I do understand, like, them being like, maybe it's okay because I'm here with, like, Collins and Angel and just Collins and Angel... Like, as characters, that's trusting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can see that. So I am very grateful for Aisha Deha's performance. I agree. Yeah. I, I did think it was a very important part of the movie. Um, yeah. So then um, they're all on the subway. Um, and we get into the song Santa Fe, which I think is a very interesting song. 
Um, cause it's, it's... Cause who talks about Santa Fe? <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in New York. Like, I feel like there's so many other places you could go, but... <laughs> At the same time, this was before when all of us were born. True. Especially Maybe Raven. Santa Fe was... Great. I mean, Santa Fe isn't little, bad, but it's just baby like... girl. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, Raven, you're 22 years old. Excuse you, I will be 23 in less than two weeks. That and is true. Exactly two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks yesterday. Yeah. You are a child. Rude. Um, but yeah, so it's predominantly Tom and Angel singing this, or completely Tom and Angel singing this song. Don't you just love Tom and Angel's relationship? Oh, they're, they're so, so uh, cute. I, oh my gosh, they're, they're the best couple in this, uh, film, in my opinion. Definitely the healthiest couple. Oh, yes. <laughs> in terms of relationship. Yeah. And their, their mm, love I mean, and sad. their affection for each other is, so pure because to me their relationship and, and to me that's that's a lot of kind of what the song is about is that they're both airing out their in part their like insecurities and fears but also just saying like this is my fantasy like this is my dream i just want to like go to santa fe live a great life and like escape a lot of my fears and worries about myself and my future and all sorts of stuff and to me their relationship is very much i see you and I understand you, and I'm here for that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's really interesting, this song, which is like, you know, we are very highly educated people. <laughs> Speak um, for yourself. I'm dumb as a rock. Maybe we have the same education, except for these past two years. <laughs> Literally the same. Um, and the uh, professor or who was teaching computer age philosophy in the 1980s, that seems really interesting. Yeah. I don't know about you. I'm interested by that. Everything and about Tom's I character, loved, I just, I'm here for. I love it. Yeah. And I loved how they're like, you know, America. Because <laughs> there's like, especially like, in today's current climate, um, there's like a lot of things that like still persist and like things there. Like, yeah, this is a problem. Like, I hate how life is this way. People are being marginalized and in so many different ways for these specific reasons. So I was like, oh, cool. Same shit's going on. Yeah. I think, honestly, that's one of the things that's the most chilling about watching a lot of these older musicals, which granted, of of some of the older ones that we've seen, like, Rent is one of the more recent ones, but, like, when you look back at Chicago, and then West Side Story, and then now Rent, you know, all of which take place at varying points throughout the 19th or the 20th century, um... And they're it's talking the about all issues. these different social issues and all these different things going on. And whenever we analyze them, we're just like, yes, that is still happening very much today. <laughs> it's very like, relevant. Even, even between each other, like, it's still the same. Yeah. Some part, like, I did not, like, really truly understand when they were talking about, like, devote us to projects that will pay. Um, when they were like, let's move to Santa Fe for, like, those kinds of projects that will be, like, you know, fruitful financially. Yeah. Like, I understand, like, you know, definitely harder in, like, New York to, like, get those kinds of opportunities. But it didn't seem like they were looking for those kinds of opportunities in New York. You know? Yeah. I was con- I was just confused by it. Not that I'm trying to, like, dismiss them or whatever, but I just, I just didn't understand it. Yeah, there were definitely some lines that I didn't really understand. Namely, the entire premise of the song of going to Santa Fe for these opportunities. Because... Literally almost ruined my microphone and computer... <laughs> them spitting out this fucking line. These listeners, if you're oh, if you're from Santa hilarious. Fe or you live in Santa Fe, 
not trying to like degrade your city or at all, but it's just like, I, I just don't, I just don't know. Okay. So like being someone who has grown up entirely on the East coast, like I just know very little about modern day life in the Southwest of America. And so to me, like when I'm thinking of amazing opportunistic cities that I would want to go to like live and revitalize my life, Santa Fe just is one of those. Like, do I think it's a bad city? Not at all. But like, I don't think it's a city I'd be like, you know where I'm going to go? Santa Fe. Like, I just, it's not one, it's not on that list. Yeah. I agree. I wonder if that's another one of those things that, excuse me, comes with, with privilege. And we, and we as, you know, well-educated people with lots of opportunities can think of all these amazing places to go to, but maybe for these people, Santa Fe is like the furthest they can go that they can afford. And maybe that's why it kind of draws has that draw for them because they can they could afford to go there they could afford to live there they could afford to be there and it would still be so far from the current life they're living so yeah that's what, kind of what i wonder with i'm that. so yeah, glad that you're yeah, making these definitely. points Catherine, because i feel like for there's there's definitely an overall theme and message of this movie that is kind of captured in songs like seasons of love and stuff like that but i think especially for a lot of people in like our position to me one of the main messages of this movie is um check your privilege (laughs) because it's yeah Yeah, it really is talking about like there these are real people in life like dealing with these issues and just because you don't have them doesn't mean they're any less real so yeah and like even the some of the characters that like acknowledge these problems of like their friends and stuff um, they still treat them being like as not like jealous, but still seeing them as like an unfortunate life, and be like, no, they are like over and over get like handed like the short end of the stick, yeah, constantly. Stop comparing yourself to these people that you're in life in your life because you like aren't in the, in the same situation. Yeah, exactly. Like 100%. I will always support that message. Um so then um uh we get into I'll cover you. I uh, which is basically let's be Facebook official. <laughs> Honestly. It's this yeah, is, it's, this scene is one of my favorites in the movie. Just the pure the pureness of it, the love you can tell these two people. It's just it's so, so joyous, romantic. It's, yes, there's shit going on in the world. Like, yeah, we have our own things, but it doesn't matter because I'll cover you. Yeah, I, I love the paired lines of Angel singing, you'll be my king and I'll be your castle. And then Tom says, no, you'll be my queen and I'll be your moat. And I just... That reciprocity... Yes. It's just... Is amazing. Yeah, like, it's it's... To me, this song, and this is why Angel and Tom have the most healthy relationship in this movie, because it's very much saying, like, no, like, I don't expect you, like, I would love for you to be my everything, but then also let me be your everything. Like, I, I accept the fact that you want to be here for me and do all these things for me, but I also want to be that and do that for you. Like, I want to be everything that you need. I want to be your safety. I want to be your best friend. I want to be your lover. Um, like I will cover you. I will be all things that I can for you, yeah. you know, you but both lover, of them are saying it. You just got to get with my friends. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Spice Girls. Um, yeah, I, I think this song to me, this is honestly one of the best love songs I've ever heard because there's that sense of reciprocity and there's that sense of, we see each other, we understand each other, and we love each other 
not despite, not in spite of, but because of those things. We understand we each have flaws, but we're willing to work through them and push past them because of the love we have for each other. And it's just I so I agree perfect. wholeheartedly. Like, I'm really trying to think what's a better, like, love song, especially in, like, a musical. Mm-hmm. But I'm really struggling. <laughs> like, to me, in terms of showing what love ought to be, this song is perfect. Yeah. Yeah, so after I'll Cover You, Roger goes to invite Mimi to Maureen's protest. um, And he kind of gets into it a little bit with her supposedly drug dealer. Um, But then, yeah, so they go over to the protest. Um, It it seems like really cool. Like, it seems like one of those, like, I don't know if you guys have ever been to just like little like house shows and like little like scene all the time type things. Um, yeah. But they're like really cool. And to me, like this was like that kind of environment. And so we see Maureen come in for the first time. This is like, with the exception of seeing her in, I guess, Mark's hallucination during Tango during Maureen. During his concussion. Yeah, during his concussion. With the exception of seeing her briefly then, this is the first time we've legitimately seen her character on screen. And then, like, literally when I was watching this, <laughs> watching the movie, I was like, and here she is, Adele Dazeem. <laughs> and this is the first time you really get to meet Maureen. And so it's yes. it's a really exciting time. You're like, oh, this is who this mysterious person is. Yeah. And then I hope this, like, this example I'm going to give, like, doesn't fall flat. But have y'all seen, like, Maureen's, like, performance and show quote-unquote um have y'all seen like the side night live skits of these like high school theater productions where they're wearing all black i think reese weatherspoon's in one of them but it's basically like very obvious high school rendition of like capitalism bad oh society yeah uh like mirrors holding up um those skits yes because that's what this was and nothing <laughs> can change my mind i it i agree with the exception of her was she wearing like cheetah print what was she wearing with the exception of that honestly yeah and okay so it it really this was, and i don't know if the if this was the intent because it kind of felt like in the movie the audience felt this way too but it felt like when, when she first started talking and going through the the piece for the first couple of minutes, I was just like, what is happening? Like, what is this Only, girl like, talking about? Yeah, I saw, I saw the cow, but she's not allowed to give milk. She can only give Diet Coke. Diet Coke. And um, I was just like, what, what is, is she on drugs? What's happening? But then like, as the, <laughs> um, as the metaphor or analogy or allegory, one of them, as, um, as it goes, your <laughs> as it goes on, like, especially when she brings in Benny, um, it definitely starts to flesh out a little bit, but yeah, it, it definitely... We get to over the moon. Yeah, and it definitely is that, like, kind of holding up the mirror to society and showing everything wrong, you know, in some new breakout way. Um, but I think it's very... Very experimental. Yeah, and I think it's very interesting. As well as things like, okay, like, not necessarily my thing, but I can definitely see the appeal of it and I see the message of it, you know? Although I well, could have it's done very obvious. Yes, I could have done without the slurping when she uh, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that was, was a lot. Okay. <laughs> so when I knew Indita Menzel was like in this movie, I I would have thought 
her first like actual like song other than like seasons of love which is like you know the main cast i thought this would going to be like a good like belter same i did not think it was going to be this which like um which i appreciated like and i understand like i know exactly what kind of person she's acting as yes i've met uh, many of those kinds of people before um and I think she did a really good job. I thought, like, the TVs were a nice touch. I will have to say, because, uh, oh, we didn't talk about this before. The whole reason for the protest. Oh, yeah. Was because of, like, the tenting locations for the people that did not have homes. They were trying, were going to be removed for, like, the cyber arts, whatever. Yes. And she was protesting the removal of the homeless people, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, it was, like... The the protest and the performance was mainly, yeah, this is, like, what they're giving us. This isn't what we need. This is what we need to, like, move on. We can do this together kind of thing. Yeah. But in a very, like, experimental, um, mind freak kind of way. Um, very, like, what the F David Blaine, for some <laughs> reason, is what I thought of when I was watching this. Um... And how she was, like, there was a lot of parts I was, like, I thought it was, like, really good when she was, like, describing, like, Benny the Bulldog into a lapdog. Maybe it's a female thing. A lot of the points she was trying to raise is very cognizant of what's, like, actually, like, going on, what's currently going on in, like, our today's, like, you know, society and things like that. But at the same time, I think that there was always this kind of air of, she was being performative, like she was yeah. giving a performance, but she was being performative. Yes. To me. I, I agree. And I, and I think, um, I think this scene being the first time you're truly in the flesh introduced to Maureen's character is really important because like I was, I was watching something the other day that was talking about how the first like, the first episode of a show typically has, like, the major themes and, like, the things that the writers want you to know offhand yeah. going into the show. It's, it's really difficult to write a pilot. Yeah, and to me, like, like with character introduction, it's very much the same way. The first, the very first time you see a character, what they're doing, what they're saying, how they're behaving is incredibly important because it sets the stage for how you understand that character. Either because like, yes, this is who they are at their, almost in their purest form. Like this is everything you need to know about them. Or this is a front and they're the opposite of this. It's it's literally one of the two. It's one of two extremes, you know? Um, yeah. And so I think... But I feel like for her, it's kind of in the middle of that. I disagree. But explain why. Because I feel like, yeah, like, this is, like, the what she's doing. Yeah, what she believes in. But there's other times I feel like she has, like, de definitely, like, flaunted her understanding and was like, oh, why don't you just take this job? Oh, why don't you just make more money? Oh, why don't you just do this? You know? I can see that. Which I think, like, very contrasts and opposes, like, this original kind of view as, like, the, like, the martyr. She but seems to me very, like, initial Klaus from Umbrella Academy cult following, but not following through. Because, like, she gets a better opportunity. I think Maureen just really sees the world as very black and white. 
and that really kind of shows itself in some of this stuff. I, Catherine, I think that's exactly right. Uh, because, like, you know, in a lot of these situations, not everything is black and white. Very like, few you things have to, are. Very few things are, and you have to have some kind of, like, nuance or understanding and, like, knowledge and wisdom to, like, really navigate certain things and to, like, achieve, like, different, like, goals you want. Where she, I feel, I just really feel like she's like a person in position of privilege and be like, yeah, this stuff is wrong to no consequence of her. Exactly. And like we were talking about the job thing and she's like, oh, you need money. Just take this job. Like, it's just so, she sees it so just like. Yeah, I'm not going to sell out to this. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, this is the way forward. This is the way to go. That's it. No other thought involved. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the sucking, the suckling the, of the milk. Just very is, much could have done without that. But it was visceral, and it was, it made you think about it. True. And then um, we do know, because like Benny said before, like the police will be there, because I already called them there. You need to call this protest off. You'll get free rent. But it, it like turned into violent with, surprise, the police as the agitator. <laughs> um Surprise, surprise. A surprise. A surprise. Um, yeah, surprise. And then she's like trying, she'd be like, hey, like, stop this. And there's like, you see like people like Collins who are just literally standing there, like just being like grabbed and stuff like that. Yeah. And then we see, again, something that I'm like, I'm not, like, I'm pretty uneasy about with like Mark is like documenting this, which is important to document this to like show the masses. But like the distinction between the audience and having the ability to intervene. Yes. That's something that honestly gets me about a lot of videos is like, there's sometimes where it's like, okay, I understand that you're recording for the sake of documenting. Which people, not... people need to record. Yes. But there's, if, there, if there's enough people around, if like some people are recording, that's fine. And if there's the, there's the if possibility like... of intervening and doing something about the situation, then... Why are you not doing that and just recording? Which is, of course, easier said than done. Yes, obviously. But I think it's definitely something that needs to be brought up in the same way that, like, um, the woman we saw earlier bringing up the whole, like, hey, don't record me as a way to, like, ease your guilt. To me, like, that's another thing that just, like, kind of needs to be said. Yeah, like, he had his, like, close friends being taken advantage of and profiled and, like, yes, I understand, like, you're recording it to, like, you know, for the, like, greater effect and greater picture of, like, showing people. But it gets to a point where what are you going to do about it, like, now? Yeah. Because, like, you have the privilege to think about it later. They don't. Yeah. So then they go to the cafe, whatever, restaurant. Bar, yeah. Kind of diner. Area. Diner. Um, they don't see Mark there. And then um, he shows up, like, last, saying that he has apparently sold the footage to a news channel in the past, like, ten minutes. Which was like, okay, cool. Good for him. Yeah. Right, yeah, that was quick. <laughs> yeah, and then it was weird. Like, Maureen, don't kiss him. Like, the whole entire thing is, like, the <laughs> uh, how tumultuous Joanne and Mark are with you. That's weird. That's yeah. weird. Yep. Yep, and I love how uh, Joanne just gets in front of her and just like we can just buy him dinner. Like it's doesn't doesn't need to be. Which does get into the conversation that they have about like being exclusive. Yeah, which apparently they haven't had before. So like I understand that, but like 
Maureen, you gotta know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do love how when they're just like, oh yeah, we're gonna get dinner, like blah, blah, blah. And Angel says like, oh, I'm gonna be paying for it, all this other stuff. How the Major D is just like, oh, that's fine. Just please don't move the tables. And they immediately start moving <laughs> all the tables in the restaurant. Like the, the, the following <laughs> scenes, I was like, I understand where the, like, the wait staff does not want them <laughs> yeah. at that yep. establishment. Makes total sense. <laughs> um, but, and then we find out, like, Benny's there with his, I don't know why I wanted to say benefactors, but that's the word I thought of. Benny with his um, benefactors. There you go. And, the, the, and the he Benny was like, the Jets. Sorry. He <laughs> was like, this is not my fault. And they're like, you're the ones that called the police. And he's like, yeah, I didn't think they were going to do anything. It's like, no, it's it like, is your fault. What did you think they were going to Yeah, because he doesn't apologize. Ben, he just says it's no, not my fault. No, he doesn't. I, I don't think he ever believes that it is his fault, yeah. which is like really upsetting to see like Tay Diggs in that kind of situation. But it's, funny, <laughs> that's, it's like, hard. This movie's hard because Tay Diggs isn't someone you like, yeah. you know? And he's you're the like, bad guy. Oh. He's not the band leader who is like, you know, treats aspiring murderesses right when they're just trying to make their big break. <laughs> um, um, we, we do find out that the Akita was apparently his <laughs> and his wife's. Yeah. yeah, because they were having a funeral for that dog. Yeah. Um, which is, I would go to say extreme, but the thought of like one of my family's dogs, like passing away, if we didn't have some kind of ceremony to like acknowledge that, I would be furious. Oh, yeah, I would 100% have a, a funeral for a pet. Like 100%. Um, but yeah, so then we get into the song La Vie Bohème, which I think, I don't think this is the best song in the movie because we've already covered that that was, uh, Will I? But I do think that this is the best scene in the movie. Like, just the best oh, well-done yeah. scene. And I think this was... I think this is when I liked the main characters the most. Agree. If that makes sense. Yeah. Especially because it was very, like, fuck you establishment. Um, and, like, Mark, despite, like, what we talked to him about already, is very cognizant of... Bohemia is a fallacy in your head. Uh, funeral for Ibida, very should be like, oh, you're being ridiculous that you think this is a real issues. Here's like what like us in this community actually believes, especially when you sing like Little Town of Bethlehem. I just thought his performance in this song was fantastic. Yes, I agree. and this and yes, is also he's... where I noted I hate his sweater. <laughs> what? I liked his outfit. I and that was it. very I, I was bohemian. Very, uh, you know, late 80s boho chic. Anywho. <laughs> this um, is definitely one of those other scenes where Mark really shines as an actor and as a character. Yes. Like, just yeah. hits every, every line and every note just perfectly. Absolutely. And then, like, Maureen, like, moons them. Yes. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, this, this, yeah, this was yeah. so good. Um, so then, um, and then we get a sort of side scene. Hey, mister, she's my sister. Oh, yeah, and then, <laughs> so we just, funny. and then they start, like, making out, and they're just like, your sisters? And they're just like, we're very close. But also, just like, did you believe that they were sisters? Because that was very obviously I, a joke. <laughs> I love the waiter. He was, like, listing all these stuff, and he's like, oh, let me guess, fries and beer and wine. And they're like, yeah, that's what we want. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Like, that's what I want at I'm all here times. for it. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, and they're like, this song is very much, like, expressing like, what they think, like, the bohemian, like, way of life is, how they're living their lives, 
And it's very much of like likes, dislikes, like MySpace page is like what I got. <laughs> I can see song. that. Um, so then we get a little side scene with Mimi and Roger. Um, yes. Finally, where they both <laughs> admit to each other that they are living with AIDS. And Roger's just like, I, oh. I think I think this was one of my favorite songs by far. Yeah, and Roger is like, oh, I can love you now because I know that you have AIDS and I won't be the one infecting you, you know? Um, and so then we get into I Should Tell You where they take this little, like, moonlit stroll through a back alleyway in New York City. Um, so maybe not the safest stroll, but, um, and, yeah, so this is where we kind of get into the song, uh, where they're going back and forth, like, all these things that they should tell each other, and they finally kind of, I don't know if they actually do say, I love you in this song, do they? I know they say it at the end of the movie. I don't think they say it here at yeah. least i don't remember that i think he they, i think roger goes to say it and maybe says i know or something like that but at the very least the song is their first kiss mm-hmm. and then they come like or they're back in the bar after that and everyone sees them kissing and they start cheering and everyone's happy yeah and then we get into kind of like part two of la vie bohème which it's is... called, the, this title of the second part of the song is La Vie Bohème B. Yeah. Oh, part yeah. B. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, where they basically just continue singing. Um, yeah, and I, I think, like, this is kind of, like, in this part two. So to me, like, part one is more or less them saying, this is our lifestyle, this is who we are, this is who we're going to be, and, you know, we don't care if you judge us for it. And then part two is a little more, like, ter- going, looking externally and kind of pointing out a lot of the different flaws in society's perception and the way and like societal institutions. Um, so they do definitely like, I forget the exact words, but they say some things about like the government and like various political issues and socio-political issues. Um, and then I remember at some point they say like to the people living with not dying from disease, which again, just kind of like reinforces the ideas that we heard, especially in life support um during the first life support meeting where they're kind of saying like yeah like this is a condition that i'm living with this is something that i have to deal with but that doesn't mean that i have to live every day in fear that doesn't mean that um while yes this disease may end up taking my life i'm still living and i like i'm not dying i'm still living i'm still living my life i'm still being happy i'm still choosing joy um and so yeah i'm living with the disease not dying from it you know which I, I think it's a very important message. The Bohemian life. Indeed. Indeed. And then after that, we... It kind of skips... I don't know if it skips, because honestly, I don't know when the protest I takes place. Think, I think but... the protest takes place on Christmas, for some reason. Or maybe, like, a couple days. It? It, it, it takes place Because I know, I know the day... Universe. The day that Angel first comes over and sings... Uh, touch for you or something today like for that. you today for you um that is christmas day mm-hmm. so i don't know the timeline of everything else that happened but at the very least in the next scene it's new year's eve like yeah. it's new year's midnight like they're counting down and the first um, thing i thought was why is she catwoman i was so good a couple <laughs> a couple of them had costumes yeah because like, like uh, collins and um angel were james uh, bond james bond and pussy galore mm-hmm. and pussy galore yeah and then she was catwoman and then no one else was in costume i was very confused i was like is that a thing that people i've never heard of people dressing up for 
Like, dressing up, sure, but, like, not getting into costume for New Year's. Because it's not Halloween. I was just very confused, but yes. And then we go to Seasons of Love B. Yeah. Where we hear kind of what their hopes and dreams are. Their immediate plans. Go. Mm-hmm. How they can, like, better themselves. Yeah. Like, Angel um, mod- uh, modeling um, Mimi, she was like, I- I'm done with my vices. I want to go back to school. Yeah, um, and I was so proud of her. It gives you a lot of hope for not only her as a person, but their relationship, too. Like, yes, they're going to be so good for each other. Like, this is going to be such a great path forward. Yeah. I yeah. like this is definitely just like everything's going great for these characters, for these friends, for these lovers. Roger is like Yeah, this is like a turning point for all of them. Yeah, and Roger is like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna actually finish a song this year. Um <laughs> and then this is when we find out that um Mark does like have an interview job offer from Buzzline, which is kind of like a sleazy like news it seemed very it's like, like a tabloid type of combination yeah. of BuzzFeed and TMZ is how I got it. <laughs> I mean, it sounds about right. And then he was like, no, I don't want to do that because I'm selling out. And then, But again, Maureen's like, oh, but like this will give you money, so who cares? And I'm like, that seems like antithesis of what you've been fighting for and like talking about. True. And she also made it about her, where she was she like, we're going to do a new, po- a new protest and you can film the whole thing and put it on your TV show. She's like, so performative. She, yes. She's so performative, very self-absorbed. And you really see that in that moment. Like, she doesn't give a flying care about... Um, you can say fuck. His... Oppor- <laughs> okay, he doesn't give a flying fuck <laughs> about his opportunities. It's all about her and what this means for her. And that was a real time. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad yeah. I'm glad Joanne, like, brought that up. Yeah, like, kind of called her out on it. Yeah, because mm-hmm. she seems like the kind of person that, like, hasn't been called out before. Yeah, yeah. And then we get back to the apartment... And it's been padlocked, and Angel's like, oh, I saw this on TV, oh don't gosh. you worry. And, like, that was so just cute. takes a whole-ass trash can yeah. and just breaks it off. She crushes Beautiful. it. Beautiful. Literally. I'm in love with Angel. It was um, so, and, so and good. They're so like, they're, yeah, they're like, no, you can't do that, you're drunk. And she's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> and does it successfully. As I've carted into many a door when I'm drunk. Um, you're the one who taught me how to do that. It's really easy to do. You just need to get you a, like a sturdy card, like a gift card that you've already used. We're not going to get into it. Um, <laughs> so they so they break into their home and all of their stuff is gone. And they're surprised. Everything. <laughs> it's been over a year. They haven't been paying rent and they have been kicked out and their things have been repossessed. And again. And they're um, shocked. Shocked. This Listeners, this is why I hope you are never in this position, but this is why burning your eviction notice does not work. Because <laughs> it still exists. <laughs> um, yeah, so then Joanne tells them, well, like, technically, since you're here, um, you have, like, since squatters you're inside rights. already, like, you have squatters rights. Which I'm like, again, I don't think that's how that works, at least modern day. Like, I think you still have to be in a place for a certain amount of time. For you to technically be able to claim squatter's rights. But I'm not a lawyer. And I don't. I've never been a squatter before. So don't really know how that works. Um, so then she's like. Oh yeah. You're just going to have to like find the money to like. You know. Get new stuff. And find a place. And support yourself. rent. Yeah. Like a functioning adult in society. Um, so then. 
Maureen brings up the Buzzline thing again. She's like, well, that would be a job that would pay you steadily and that you could use to support yourselves. So then Mark finally agrees to go talk to Buzzline, um, which is the next sort of scene that we cut to. Um, so they go to the Buzzline office. Joanna kind of points out, like, you know, Maureen, you should probably stay out here. And she says it's because, like, we want this to... Like, we don't want to, like, overwhelm them or whatever it is at first. Like, Which I think is a really strong. good way to say it. Yeah, and I think that's valid. But also, I was like, is that the real reason that you don't want her in there? No, it's not the real reason. But that's, like, I think is the best, like, way to The best her. way to, to address it, yeah. Um, yeah, so then we go in and the Buzzline hiring manager, person or whatever. Sarah, Sarah Silverman. Silverman. Oh yes. my god. Uh, she plays Alexi Darling. That's her name in the movie. Which is a great name. It is a great name. I love Sarah Silverman so much. Have you seen... I, I don't know if it's the most recent comedy special of hers, but it's called A Speck of Dust. It's on Netflix. Um, it is so funny. I just love her. I think I've seen clips from it, but I don't... I haven't seen the full special. Um, um, yeah, so they're having the meeting, and Joanne, because the all the walls of... Uh, Miss Darling's office is glass. So Joanne can see the receptionist desk. And from there, she can see Maureen flirting very obviously with the receptionist and giving Jennifer her a number. Um, yeah, it's like, come on. My thing is like, girl, okay, all of the walls are glass. Like, don't cheat, but if you're going to cheat, at least be smart about it. It, it, it does make sense <laughs> with the, like, after conversation, though. So, like, it gets to a point where it's, like, a very much commission-based Mark's position, starting with, like, three grand. And, like, they're like, oh, we'll take it, because we have no money. Yeah. And so, then we get to, um, they're, like, out on the streets, and Maureen's like, you didn't even bring me up. And Joanne's like, you got them evicted. <laughs> Which is like, so girl. <laughs> understand like what your effect on people, and then Joanne's like, "I want commitment," and and Maureen's like, "Oh, that's all you had to say. Sure, fine." Which okay, I have a couple of problems with this scene because you have to, you, one, have to say, you can't get what you want unless you say what you want, Raven. Okay, I well, yes, I agree with that. I think the reason I interpret this differently is because, granted. Yes, it seems that Maureen or Joanne hasn't communicated this to Maureen, but to me, it seems like Joanne at least has the expectation that Maureen be exclusive. So I guess, I guess but to Maureen me, like, has well, been nothing but herself. That's true. I guess my understanding is that, like, I guess, yes, if you interpret it as, or if, if the scene is such that Joanne is making that expectation of Maureen without communicating that expectation to her, then yes. Maureen has done nothing wrong. But I guess my assumption was that, like, why would you have that expectation of someone if you haven't communicated it? So well, I guess that, I guess that's where I was coming from. It's, but... but, like, Joanne seems so so surprised. And it was like, oh, that's it? That's all I had to do was ask for commitment? Made me think it. she'd never brought it up before. That's fair. That's fair. And what's, I think, probably most shocking about this scene is the first time they have the commitment conversation, they get engaged. Oh, they yeah, immediately get like, engaged. Whoa. Yeah, I'm like, come on. Whoa. And I was just like, you just had an issue with her talking to other people. Y'all just had this conversation for the first time. And now you're just like, oh, yeah. Like, let's be my, like, 
be my forever love, be my companion <laughs> for life. Like, it just, oh. And I also love how Mark is just kind of like awkwardly hanging out yeah. in the background. Yeah. I think he says, I can't believe this is happening. Wait, because <laughs> they broke so up fast. only a few days before, right? I don't know if it was a few days, but they are ve- they are very recently broken up. Yeah, I'm not sure yeah. on that timeline. To the point that like people that they were close to weren't like weren't aware that they had broken up yet. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, within days. So they yeah. get engaged, and then we go to the engagement party, and then you see Joanne's family, um, you see Maureen's family, and I think this is also like another point where like Maureen's family seemingly does very well from themselves on very good terms yep very much influence influences my thoughts of how performative she is like she is no stranger for that kind of lifestyle also i do want to point out that joanne's mom uh oh played by anna devere i think might be how it's pronounced smith um yeah she among many many other roles plays um, rainbow's mom in Blackish. Blackish, yeah. She's Alicia. Yeah. And she also um, uh, plays uh, Gloria Keelidus and uh, Nurse Jackie. Yes. That, oh, that was such a good show. It was. Um, uh, I, re- I really liked her. Yeah, and so... We get to the song, so they're like, you know, talking about like how much they're in love and whatever. Maureen's like, I need another drink, because this is very much like not her scene, which understandable. Mm-hmm. So she goes get a drink. She's like... I guess flirt. She's talking to the bartender. She's flirting with her. She's flirting with her, but that's. I do think that's just her personality. And we get into I, this. We get to the song "Take Me or Leave Me," which I think is a very important song for the relationship. Because Maureen's like, "Hey," one scene's like, "There's going to be more people in rudder, rubber trying to flirt with me. This is just my life. This is something you're going to have to get to deal with." And so it's very like, take me or leave me. This song is like, I'm a flirtatious person. I want to talk to people. I want to get to know people. I have said, my, I've given you my word. You're the person I'm with. And to Joanne, that's not enough. Yeah. And I think to, I think this song is to Maureen and Joanne's relationship. What I should tell you is for Roger and Mimi's relationship and what I'll cover you is for Angel and Tom's relationship. Like yes. to me, this is the song that defines the issue of their relationship. Like they are both just at their base, incredibly different people. And neither of them, it, it's not even that they're not capable of understanding the other. Neither of them has taken the time so far to actually try to meet each other in the middle and understand this is where the other person is coming from. See, this is why, of them this are why just, I don't understand. Because, like, and then we get into the point where Jaren's like, oh, what I am, I'm a control freak, um, and then I thought a really good law. No, uh, Joanne doesn't call herself a control freak. Maureen calls her a control freak. But she agrees. But she, and then, like, Maureen's, like, a snob, but over-attentive. I thought, like, how she delivered that line was, like, really good. Um, yeah, and like, I agree. But, like, she's like, this is what I am. And it seems like in the song, they come to an understanding, like, they know what each other are, and I don't. <laughs> they break up. And then they break up. <laughs> But, like, I don't think it came to a point where they're like, I know what I am, but I'm not okay with it. They, like, both understand who they are. That's not a surprise to them. To them. But I think it's I think it's more that they know that. Like, they physically know that and understand it. But the way they're delivering their lines, they're still perceiving that in a negative connotation. Yes. Like, Maureen and is very much saying, I don't like, think... Joanne... 
And I just don't like, think those attributes are inherently negative for their I agree. But to them, they are. Like, I yeah. think Marina's okay. saying, like, you. yeah, Joanne, like, you. I get that this is the type of person you are, but that's bad, and I don't want that. Like, I think that's why it's But that, the, what I have a problem with is, like, that's not news, though. That's, like, what yeah. you knew all along. If you have a problem Which, with again, it now... Which, again, why did you get engaged had... in the first place? Yes, 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 <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Also, yes. yeah, because, like, when they were in the billiards room... The energy between them, because like at that point, that the song, energy, I was like, "Oh, like, they're fine." They're I thought they were gonna fuck, fuck in front of the, their parents. I thought they were gonna fuck on the pool table, like, and then they're just like, "Well, I guess I'm leaving." Like, and she's like, "Wait, what?" Oh, I was like, okay, yeah, I was like, oh, "This wait, is literally your engagement leaving. party." Like, at that point, I was like, "Oh, they're fine. They're like, this is the person I am. This is the person I am. We understand we're very different people, but like, we understand who you are from our like singing and dialogue." That, like, that is just something we're going to have to come to terms with. And they're like, yeah, let's almost have sex, but this we're over. <laughs> yeah. Wild. But then I <laughs> I do find it interesting how then Maureen's mom leans over to Mark and it's just like, well, maybe you two can get back together now. And it's just like, right. questionable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we kind of glazed over this, but around the same time, there's also trouble in paradise with Mimi and Roger, yeah. because this is around the time that Roger finds out that Mimi used to have a thing with Benny, and that kind of causes yeah. this this distrust and this suspicion kind of causes Mimi to spiral with her with her drug addiction. Especially so there's just a lot of trouble in paradise because they all right got here. their stuff back. So it seems very like quid pro quo, tit for tat. It's like they got their stuff yeah. back, and then they find out that Benny and Mimi had a and relationship, and they thing. met up. They did meet yeah. up. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, drink four. Clink. Clunk. Uh, okay, yeah, so we're back at Mark and Roger's apartment. They see that all of their stuff is now back. Um, okay, yeah, so, so we're there. talking about how Mimi used to have a thing. We find out that Mimi used to have a thing with Benny. And Benny's here's like, my thing. let's start a new lease. Oh, you want to talk before this, or? Yeah, no, so Mimi says, we had a thing once, but it was two years ago. Isn't she 19 at this point? Because when she first meets Roger and starts talking to him, he's like, you're 19. Uh, Raven. That's true. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even think about that. I was just sitting there like, wait, wait, what? Did, did I remember that? I needed that more reason to hate Tay Diggs' character. Um, but still love Tay Diggs. <laughs> um, um, that is Yeah, weird. so then we get into the song... So Benny's like, hey, I have a new lease set up. You don't have to pay rent. And then they're like, no, we're not doing this anymore. Um, So then, yeah, we see Mimi and uh, Roger Roger get into a little lover's tussle, whatever that thing's called. Um, Because he's upset that she used to have a thing with Benny. And now she's presumably used that connection um, to kind of get everything figured out and get all their stuff back. Um, and so we get into the song Without You, where... I really like this song. I do, too. Because there's a lot of songs, like, breakup songs or whatever, and it's like, oh, nothing will ever be the same. But this song is, like, without you, literally everything is the same. The world still turns, the sun still comes up, people still act normal, but I don't feel the same. I think it's the most realistic version of I can't see a life without you. Yeah, and I, I think... I think that's a lot, a lot of things I like about this movie is that a lot of the songs this movie, including Without You, are revisiting a lot of those same tropes and things that we see in a lot of other movies, but they're doing it the, like, 
the quote-unquote right way. Like, they're doing it the realistic way, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so we she, see... Like, you know, she's, like, using again. Yeah, but, okay, no, before that, so we see that she does join the life support group. Yes, um, oh, yes, very much. And this is, this is, again, where we start seeing, like, the people kind of disappearing from the chairs as they are presumably passing away from AIDS. Um, and then we see Mimi trying to get clean. We see her going through heroin withdrawal. Um, we see Angel dying now, and he ends up hospitalized. Oh, that is... um, oh. And then we see Mimi and Tom there together comforting him. And then we see Mimi back again at her drug dealer, like, presumably and buying then, heroin again. And then, like, from, like, the man, which I think that guy plays a pretty good drug dealer, Jason yeah. Foster. Um and it's very much so okay let's go back and talk about like the whole um tom and angel scenes mm -hmm. when it comes to the point they're in meetings together but then they're like crying on the subway yeah and oh, then it's they're heartbreaking in the hospital and i and he's do, like holding him and i do yeah. really appreciate mimi is like one of the most prominent people there yeah um so it's like because because presumably before, mimi and angel had a relationship before they met her yes and yeah. before um, with, like, Mimi's, like, addiction and stuff, uh, it was in the connotation of, like, take me out tonight. Yeah. But now it's, like, hey, this, like, pivotal point in my life, this, like, column in my support system is deteriorating. This is what I'm doing. And then, granted, all we see is, like, silent screaming between Roger and Mimi. So I assumed Mimi was getting those drugs again for the first time. Because yes. to, as a way of dealing with Angel's death. Yep. And Roger is just like, no, you're doing drugs, you're done. You're done with me. Yeah, like, like you were doing so well. You were going to meetings, like, you doing all this stuff. And now you're relapsing. But I, I, I like the fact... Okay, so in the context, like, those scenes with Angel and Tom being included during the scene for this song, to me, it kind of makes it seem like Without You is... Not just about Roger, but also about Angel. Yes. Um, because when we see like Mimi in the life support group, because um, Angel and Tom and Mark got like Roger to start going. So I at least took it as like they, like Angel was prominent in getting Mimi to start going to the meetings as well. Um, and so to me, like without you, it's at the beginning, it is about Roger. And it, it, is about the it is about the fact that they're no longer together and she still wants to be with him and she's like, how is my life going to be the same? Like, how do I keep going on? All this stuff without you. But then as we see Angel's condition start to deteriorate and we see that they're clearly going to lose him. Like, he's clearly dying and there's yeah. nothing they can do about it. To me, especially at the point where she resorts back to using again, without you is now also about him. And it's you were so important in my life. How do I go on without, like, literally without you? With yeah. Roger, which is our relationship is over, but you are actually leaving, you know? Yeah, So I agree. Um, yeah. It was, it, it was tough. Um, so then we get to Angel's funeral, which is on, held, Halloween. on Halloween. So, yes, yeah, so this is another so time we tears. actually do objectively know what day. I find it. Interesting that all the times we know ex explicitly what day it is, is always on a holiday. It's always I mean, Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve, or Halloween. I think that's just easier to remember, though, and it's more pivotal for, like, I think it's easier to make a story happen for, like, a bigger day. That's understandable. Um, but yeah, so it's on Halloween, and 
we hear all the different or we see all the different characters telling stories about their relationship with Angel and how they kind of were so pivotal and important in all of their lives. Even it's like big stories and small stories. It's really like, oh, these yeah. random people were in town. Angel, like she like gave them directions, followed followed with them to make sure they got home safe. As opposed to being like the most monumental person in their life. It's like across the spectrum. They're like, Angel is so important to any facet of anyone's lives. I think yes. that was like very well conveyed during the different like eulogies, I guess. Yeah. Tributes, eulogies. Yeah, yeah tributes, I think would be a better term. Um, and then we get into a reprise of I'll Cover You, which is sort of mashed up with Seasons of Love. Which I think is so annoying. What? How it made me Interesting. feel. Interesting. Okay. I was like, this is the part, like, Will I made me emotional. But this is the song, seeing Jesse Martin perform I'll Cover You in this scene. Oh. I think this is the scene that broke me. This is this is the yeah, this is me the too. best song in the musical in the movie. Yeah, um, I I think it is for a mm. pure emotion standpoint. I th- yeah, I think from an emotional performance standpoint and what it means in the context of the movie and the story. Yes, I can agree with that. Because um, to me, this reprise of "I'll Cover You" in this scene takes on a whole new meaning for for Tom himself it takes on a new meaning as to how it relates to his love for Angel um, and his meaning for Angel but also for all of their friends and all the people in the congregation that are also singing along with him for them it's kind of like they're singing it to him like they're saying like I will cover you like Angel is gone. You're clearly going, like, we're all going through a hard time, but this is obviously the hardest for I, you. I definitely agree. I will cover you, you know? Yeah. Also, so in this scene, we see Mimi is with Benny? Question? So they're sitting, mm-hmm. at the very least, they're sitting next to each other, and mm-hmm. Benny has his arm around mm-hmm. her shoulders. But I don't understand how. Isn't a- Benny married to that gray girl that he married yeah. to all his money and stuff? But at the same time, I don't understand how any of these people are still friends with him. Or still, like, either. trying to make relationships with them. Because they're, like, they're using their lively... He's using their livelihood as a tool for, like, emotional manipulation. Yes. Like, it's like, Mimi, he is your landlord. He's the one that said, oh, you don't have to pay rent. But he also cut your power off last year on Christmas Eve. Like, how are you just suddenly with him? Like, I just... I and just as understand. someone who constantly holds grudges, I would never forget that. <laughs> Like, I know the whole thing, like, forgive and forget. Nah, I'm like, fuck that. That is not in Campbell's dictionary. It is not. <laughs> it's like, it's just constantly remember and plan, is how I think. <laughs> so, let it be known, if you have wronged me, I know, and I'm still thinking about it. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, so after the funeral, we see them bury Angel, <sighs> and they're all walking away. And we get into Goodbye Love, where it's basically all of them airing their relation relationship grievances with each yeah. other. Yeah. Because this song and it's just is real like, messy. Yeah, we find out that Roger is like, he sold his guitar to buy he's a car. To Santa Fe. To move he's to, leaving. He, he's yeah. just straight up leaving. And then we, it's very like Mimi and Joanne versus Maureen and Roger. 
Yes. Mimi and Joanne would be like, I loved you. I was very open about this. You're so important in my life, but you did not want this. And Maureen and Roger are just not willing to either, like, maybe they don't feel the same. They're not willing to talk about the same based on, like, you know, vulnerabilities. But the, the like, back and forth... Especially when Joanne, like, brings back up. It's like, why are you making this about you again? Like, how dare you? And Mimi was like, I said this about you. You never felt the same. Or you never said the same. Giving opportunities to both of these people to be like, how do you really feel? And neither one of them are like, take that. Yeah. And I I think it's, I think from Maureen and... Roger's standpoint like I think Campbell this goes back to this goes back to what you were saying about Maureen earlier uh but I think I think for them in their mindset it's more of like I also loved you but in my own way but that didn't seem to be good enough for you um but again they don't express that explicitly and so it just becomes a bunch of back and forth and arguing between everybody until Tom finally walks up and it's just like, what is wrong with you? We were like, at a funeral. Yeah, we're at a funeral. Mm-hmm. You said you would behave and you're literally yelling at each other. Yeah. Like, just give me this one day. Just give me this. Which was so sad. Which totally, like, at that point, I was just like, I don't care what the fuck happens to these other characters arguing. If they're not able to give Tom this one day, I don't care about them. Yeah, if they're not able to give Angel and Tom the respect they deserve, y'all can fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. And so then we see... I think we kind of skip forward in time a little bit because we see Roger has now left and is driving to Santa Fe. Mm -hmm. Um, And we get into the song, What You Owe, which is another duet between him and Mark. And to me, like I think it's sort of a flip side of Rent at the beginning. Because Rent was also initially a duet between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of like fighting against the man and saying, we're not going to pay our rent. And like, these are all the things that are unfair. Um, and I think this is sort of the same idea, but from a different perspective. Like it's more of a commentary on overall society. Because yeah. um, now they're not just talking about, you know, their landlords and like all that stuff but they're talking about specifically america like there's like in america like all like it's all about what you own all their stuff and i think one of the um to me one of the most powerful lines was i don't own a notion i escape and ape content i don't own emotion i rent which i think one to me it's kind of a fairly obvious reference to the song rent because they're all they're talking literally about rent in that movie or in that song but also, I just think, like, their perspective in this song, especially given the most recent events with Angel's funeral, and because Mark is thinking about Angel, um, and the fact that she's gone now, and he's seeing her in all of his documentary film and all this stuff, because at this point he's working with Buzzline, so he's not really getting a chance to work on his documentary as much. And Roger is talking more about Mimi and how... I think he's like, oh, she's gone, but also it's like, you left her, so you mm-hmm. can't really be like, oh, she's gone, she left me, blah, blah, blah. I, I but... will say, I do, like, it does, like, it's worth noting that, I mean, he is a former addict. If you get to a point where you can't be around that anymore, that does Which is fair. That, I think that's fair. That is fair. But yeah, and so... To me, like, this line, while granted they're talking about two different people and they're in two different situations, 
this line is again a sort of they aren't able to have ownership over what's going on in their lives like I, there are I, a lot of I things... don't see I don't see it's they're not able to have ownership I see that as they shy away they refuse okay, to have okay. ownership especially Mark yeah because he's yeah, like I'm just one of the capitalistic tools now it's like this is like the job you signed up for. like this is your choice yep that's fair I, I'm down for that interpretation but yeah, but then Mark does quit Buzzline, uh, which to me is him like kind of taking on taking that ownership back and being like, yeah, it's all about what you own. And right now, I am not, I am not taking ownership of the things that I should be. Um, and so he quits to like work on his documentary film. Again. Roger comes back. Roger to actually York. comes back, hey, um, yeah, which I think is like a full year later, right? Like the, he comes back around Christmas time yeah, the following year. Yeah, definitely. Yes, and so like. Then they find out that, like, Mimi, like, dropped out of rehab, like, she's gone missing. And then we get to December yeah. 24th, 1990, 10 p.m. So we are now one full year from the start mm-hmm. of the movie. Uh, but it's, and now they're, like, about to, like, show the documentary. And Collins come back, and he, like, he has a bunch of memes. He's like, oh, you got a job? He's like, no, I just know how to hack ATMs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which, just, like, okay. the password's Angel. So I'm like, good for him. Very happy about that. And they found Mimi, and this is where I have a problem. They're like, this person who has been homeless, uh, who this person who has been living on the streets, who has been, like, you know, in this addiction, who has quit rehab, has said, I want to go back to an apartment I used to live at, where she is, like, seemingly, openly dying. I understand respecting wishes of the dying, but take her to a hospital. Yeah. And they do call from like, the context, Tom, Thomas the from, only one from that's... the context of they are treating people with HIV and AIDS in yeah. these like places. Take her to a hospital. And Tom is the only one that's just like, uh, I'm gonna call nine one one to get table. medical professionals here. And this is the part I was just like, they're just like, it's very Roger and Mimi singing to each other. We get into the. Finale, yeah. finale A, which, like, I should tell you, like, reprise, and we get into the finish song of Rogers called Your Eyes, and it's basically her eyes when you left her, the, you had a building relationship, but you're gone, and, like, that kind of, like, emotional turmoil is, like, the basis of that song. Yeah. But while all of that is going on, everyone else is just standing in the back. Yeah. You're not, like, she, she's, Seemingly dying. dying. <laughs> you're not trying to like put her on her side, get her like a cold compress. Like there's like you're just you're just watching. You're just watching one of your best friends, one of your most cherished person people in your life, just like die on a table. Mm-hmm. And then while when her she... ex boyfriend sings to her selfishly. Okay, so then she does presumably die, but no, then like after right right before that. What I have a problem with when with is Rogers is saying, "You were the song along, song all along," and then says, "Before the song dies, I should tell you." So it's him admitting, like, "You're, you're dying. Going to die. You're yeah. going to die." Hey, Mimi, look at me. Look at me. You're the song. <laughs> the song is going to die. The song is you. I'm telling you, you are dying. But before but that, also before that, I'm gonna get my own <laughs> emotional burdens off of me. Yeah. Yeah. Which I didn't appreciate. Especially when I thought she was actually going to die. 
Yeah. And then, so he goes to say, oh, I should tell you, like, I love you. And she's like, I know. Like, everyone knows. This is not news. Yeah, but that that goes back to the songs, like, I should tell you. It's like, no, I when, agree. They're like, I should tell you this and be like, yo, we ever, we already been done new. Yeah, like, <laughs> we already been done new. Um, but I, I, I didn't like it when, like, she was, when Roger was like, yeah, you're the song in my life. And before the song dies... Heads up, you're dying. I want to tell you this explicitly. You're not going to make it through this. I'm going to make this about because me. Because no one has attempted to get you any sort of medical help. Because Tom. instead of like picking up from her park and taking her to the hospital, it was like, let's take her to an apartment without heat and or electricity because her ex-boyfriend is petty. Yeah. I also wonder if any of these people had cars. Because the only time I ever see them traveling is by foot or on bike. That is, no, but they show That's up. That's true, and it's in New York, but still. Joanne like, and Maureen yeah. showed up like a, in a car with her in, her arm, in their arms. They're like, we That's need true. help. We can't get her upstairs. There is a car there. I'm not denying more could have been done. Yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of just sitting around. There's a lot sure. of sitting but then, around. So the thing that bothers me. Okay. So yes, the thing you brought up, Campbell, does bother me. But also, so she supposedly dies. But then she, like, doesn't die, and we see after a few suspenseful seconds, her fingers yeah. start to twitch. And she just coughs, recovers, almost completely, and just sits up. See, I, and then, I'm actually fine with that. No, no, no. The, the you know why? The specific thing that bothers me is that she's just like, oh, I saw this warm light, and Angel was there, and she told me, Girl, you need to turn around and go listen to that boy's song. I hate that trope. I hate the trope of like, I was dying and all medical professionals in the world would have said that I was dead. But then there was a light and a loved one and they I told me not the, to die. The, what makes up for that? When it was like, I saw Angel and she looked good. I was okay <laughs> yes. with everything that happened. After. I did like that part. I did really like that. I was like, I know where this is going, but I like that. So it's fine. I, yeah. I, I at that point I was like I'll allow it and I like hit play and I allowed the movie to continue like I had any <laughs> kind of like control over it. Also, I another kind of like stake for what you were talking about, Campbell. When she does sit up, Maureen like kind of feels her face and says like, "Oh yeah, her fever, her fever has broke." broke. How do you know that, Maureen? <laughs> Oh, that so you really knew she had a fever. You like there are there are things you can do for someone with a fever. Like yes, can you can a fever break on your like on its own if you're not on its own? But like, can you break a fever and recover and all that stuff by yourself? They if you're had healthy and stuff like that. Some yes. kind of information about her condition. Yes, and they did nothing. They did nothing. About <laughs> Tom was the only because like, I think they also told Tom to call so, like to call someone else. They said like, "Oh, do this thing," and he was just like, "No, I'm calling nine one one." And he because was the Tom only person the in the only room, reasonable person in this movie. <laughs> he was the only one Tom in the room that the had that idea. Grace. <laughs> Like, oh Tom's the best. Tom and Angel were my favorite characters. Because oh. like, they're objectively the best. By far. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, so we get into Finale, finale B. <laughs> and Mark plays his documentary. And then they all start singing Today, like, reprises. Uh, for so basically you, all the songs in the positive. musical. Yeah. Also, I do want to point out, I forget which specific part it's on, but at some point, Adina Menzel, I'm sorry, Adele Dazeem. Thank you. Somebody be like, who are you talking about? (laughs) Does the most beautiful harmony during the song. Oh, because she's like one of the most impressive singers I've ever seen. And it's just amazing and everyone should love her. Yes. Um, 
Okay, yeah, so that's it. That's the movie. <laughs> Roll credits. <laughs> Roll credits. Um, okay, yeah, so this... Um, so the musical was originally written by Jonathan Larson, who... Oh boy, do I have some notes about him. So oh, Rest in peace. He is a composer and playwright who, as you can see with this with this musical in particular, he was noted for exploring a lot of like social issues um, of like multiculturalism, addiction, homophobia, and um, a lot of other types of like similar types of and issues. And intersectionality of all of it. And intersectionality, yeah, um, with his works. Uh, so for this piece in particular, he received uh, three Tony Awards and a Pulitzer Prize for drama, among many, many other awards. So he also wrote Tick, Tick, Boom, in case you guys are familiar with that. And I find it interesting specifically that Rent was like a rock musical because he cites a lot of his, or cited a lot of his musical influences um, early in his career as like Elton John, The Beatles, The Doors, The Who, Billy Joel, and then iconic playwright and composer Stephen Sondheim. So I think it, I think it made a lot of sense that he chose uh, that he wrote a lot of the songs in at least this musical, one of his most iconic works, to be a lot of them are like rock ballads or like alternative rock type songs because those were that was his interest. Like those were a lot of people he listened to. Um, so yeah, so Larson um, he also wrote f- uh, some music for Sesame Street and The Land Before Time, which <gasps> I yes, um, yeah, so. Unfortunately, so Jonathan Larson did die unexpectedly the morning of Rent's first off-Broadway performance. Um, So all of his awards for Rent were awarded posthumously. So unfortunately, he didn't really get to see like the full extent to which his musical became honestly a cultural icon um, and an incredibly important musical for a large group of people. Um, Yeah, it's I think it's safe to say that it's a very important work. And I think I think overall, like, I really enjoyed this musical. Again, like, so like I said at the beginning, like, I don't know if this is one that I would necessarily, like, watch multiple times or anything, but it's one of those musicals that I can definitely recognize the importance of it, and I think the music and the storytelling is definitely, especially for the time that it was written, was definitely needed for society. Okay, I would definitely agree with that, and, like, I do understand a lot of the criticisms between like the stage show and the film adaptation. There's a lot of things we have obviously talked about that I wasn't a fan of. I didn't think needed to be done. But the importance of it and like how it has affected a lot of different musicals and just people's images of like certain things, I definitely is important. So I do respect it in that that point of view. Yeah. Another interesting thing and thing of note about Rent is that it did not do very well in the box office. No. Its budget was really high at around, I think, $40 million or so, and it, it still to this day has not reached that, which I think is really interesting because it has a really big cult following um, in terms of people who love Rent and talk about Rent. And I think a big part of that is when the movie was released, you know, 2005, that's right in the heart of the Bush era, right? So it's Ooh. the middle of the war on terrorism. It's the middle of, like... People just being patriots in America and just, I think people just didn't in general care so much about the lives of broke kids in New York. So it's like, it's really interesting to see like when this came out and why this movie, the 2005 movie just kind of flopped, but people who loved it and saw it loved it. 
Yeah. Yeah. So now uh, we are going to try to perform for Catherine. She gave me a couple of options to like what she'd want to listen to. So I kind of like melded the two. So we are going to be doing the reprise of I'll Cover You. Aw. I feel like that's a tough song. It is a tough song. I'm not going to be able to play it. Uh, Raven will be playing the violin and I will be playing the bassoon. So it's not going to go well, at least for me. I'm so excited. Well, that's why I gave you options because I was like, I would love to hear I'll Cover You, but I know it's a hard song. So (laughs) do what you got to (laughs) do. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to go put our instruments together. I got to go like, you know, chug my drink, clean my mouth so I don't like fuck up Selma. Which is the name of my bassoon, because it's the Selmer bassoon. Um, And then we'll be back, and we'll probably talk about it and disagree when each other misses notes. (laughs) I'm so excited! Is this entertaining for you, Catherine? I'm just like, I'm just so happy to be a part of this. I feel like that dog in that meme that's like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm just happy to be <laughs> yeah. here. Like, that's literally how I feel right now. Okay. okay. One, two, one, two, three, four. Cool. It is what it is. It is, what it is <laughs> uh, so let's, let's start the... The 12 8th time signature is slightly faster. Yes. Do we want to start there? Because then it's just you playing for a while. I'm fine with that. Okay. I can at least attempt to get through it, and then if I mess up, uh, we just keep going. Yeah. 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 If it makes you feel better if you mess up, I literally have no idea. Cool. So, you're killing it. Cool. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> so, cool. Okay. One, two, one, two, three, four. Okay, stop. What measure did you stop on? I stopped on 42. Same. Yeah, no, we were together. I just played the wrong okay, notes. Okay, cool. Because, like, during, sometimes when we're playing together, like, I can't hear what you're playing, so I just assume I'm wrong. Oh, no, you should generally assume you're right. And Especially because, like, this, at times this, like okay, this... this little, like, audio clip I'm going to save... And it's going to be Don't my ringtone from now on. <laughs> uh, but no, Can you send it to yes. me? <laughs> it's so, you know, motivational. Okay. That was... The best it's ever going to be. That was a that was performance. Catherine, like, don't lie to us. Catherine, no, Catherine, please do. Please continue to lie no, to us. Because, like, I remember we've had like some guests on, like people I was like in band with. They were like afterwards, they were like, yeah, it was bad, but like I understand why it was. Yeah. Like it's okay. Well, I'm not a musician, so I don't understand anything about it. So I'm just like, yeah, I'll take it. Like, like, I'll so take good. it. I was like trying to get you to be negative about it, but you're not. So you know what? That nope. just objectively means that we weren't. <laughs> yeah, I it will be your hype woman forever. You guys are amazing. <laughs> like, just keep doing it. I'll, I'm ready to just hype you up. Always. Oh. 
So at the very least, I understand why it was bad. I understand where, like, where I messed oh, up. Yeah. If we were to actually try to practice this for a performance, I could get oh, it. Oh, definitely. But... I was bad because I was drunk and not good at the instrument currently. <laughs> I was bad because I am bad at playing the violin. So. <laughs> Strongly disagree. So anyway, Raven, 1 out of 10, how would you rate this musical? 6 out of 10. Nice. Catherine? I would also put it right in the middle of, a, of the pack, right around 6 out of 10. But talking about it with other people makes me want to raise it a little bit. Just when you get to really dive yeah. into all these things, yeah. it just makes it more impactful. But at face value, I would agree 6 out of 10. I would give it a 5 out of 10, but still close. Yeah. Which I think, Campbell, that's the closest you and I have ever been to each other. Normally we're at least two Except apart. for Chicago. Well, because, yes, that is just amazing. Because it's just amazing. Everyone should agree. Anywho. Okay. Okay, cool. Catherine, thank you for joining us. Do you have any... Yes. Thank you for you having me. Do you have anything you would like to promote? Um, not personally, I guess... Considering the times, you know, I'm going to sit here and promote that Black Lives Matter and Black Trans Lives Matter and just make sure you're supporting the people in your life that need your support right now more than ever. Um, and make sure you vote this fall. That's yeah. that's where I'm at. Oh, this episode will be coming out long after the election. Well, you should always be voting no matter yes. what. So. You, should, you should be voting more than just the presidential elections. True. Yes. Um, but yeah, so listeners, um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, um, please share with your friends and encourage them to listen. Like and comment um, on the episode. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely comment. Email us. Good or like bad, to. we would we want to hear if you like it or not. If you don't like it, we probably won't listen. But like Raven and I can laugh about that <laughs> later. That's fine. Yeah. Um, if you yeah, if you want to reach out to us, comment on one of the episodes, or you can email us at boozicals at gmail.com. That's just the name of the podcast at gmail.com. Um and yeah, we hope you keep listening and encourage other people to do so as well. Bye. Fiend. Bye.